1: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. up everybody welcome to bass and brews fishing podcast i gotta read it still because i don't have it memorized like alex but your daily distraction from high quality fishing podcasts, where fishing is a healthy dose see how to mess it up whatever anyway i'm glad to have y'all here today because we got a special guest co-host and a special guest so i'll let them introduce yourselves bailey bailey introduce yourself real
2: quick What's going on, guys? It's not my uh, first time being on this show here, so uh, thank you, Paul, for inviting me back. Uh, I don't know who would want to invite me back to this thing, but uh, uh, it's good to be back, good to be talking with you guys, and uh, good to see a familiar face down here that we get to talk to you tonight.
1: That's right. You know, I questioned myself the last week and a half since I invited you back while well, I would ask you back, but we had a good time, so I figured we could do it again. All right, down below us, you got Matt Pangrack. Matt, introduce yourself real quick, buddy. Uh, Matt
0: Pangrek, I am the, uh, I guess, host now of Bass Talk Live uh, and co-hosted it with Mark Jeffries for the last 13 years and then also fish uh, the Bassmaster Opens. How how weird is it to say the the host of BTL? Uh, well, when Jeffries fell and hit his head and was basically in a coma for a month, I did it for a week, so I got a little bit of taste of it and then... Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'd kind of known it was coming for a, a, year or two. I didn't know it was coming in uh, January on January 3rd up until about a couple months ago, but, uh, hmm. it, it's weird to say, uh, because, you know, he's the one who started it. He's the one who kind of built it. And I've just kind of I've been along for the ride for so many years, but, uh, Kind of a natural progression, man. The dude's like 60 years old and wants to do a bunch of other stuff and bowl and go fish with his kids and go throw a Carolina rig in a topwater. So more power to him. He built it. He can leave it. And I'm just thankful that he is giving me the opportunity to run the ship for a while. Hopefully a long while. Hopefully yeah, another 17 years. <laughs>
1: I, I grew up in the Carolina. So I'm all about the Carolina rig and, and literally Carolina rigging and throwing a spook and take a Texas rig worm, but that's what I did. So, all right. Well, in the, in the, is as we do here on Bass and Brews, we always like to crack open a beverage of whatever your choice
0: is. So let's start with a guess, Matt, what you got today? So I'm a, I am a uh, Coors Light guy. Like after after log day of practice or that, I like to drink the Coors Light, but it is the holiday season kind of going with some, specialty beers and uh wheat beer is really big here in oklahoma the boulevards and the blue moons and stuff so i kind of when i came here to college you drank a bunch of that but my one of my newest favorites and now it's an easy drinker do not make fun of me it's i don't i don't think it's considered a fruit beer but it is the blue moon honey days Mm, It's, it's very smooth very delicious plus my dad is a beekeeper so, a little bit of honey there. So, do I crack it now or do we crack oh, it
1: off? We're going to do
2: it together. Okay, I will oh, I did.
1: Okay. <laughs> Slow your roll. We're going to do it together. We got to let Bailey get through is.
2: Oh, mine's not anything special. I just walked through the beer aisle today because <laughs> I, I checked the fridge this morning. I remembered I was coming on this thing. I was like, I don't got any beer anymore. <laughs> and I uh, walked through and I saw a lake. So, obviously, it caught my eye. So, I had to uh, grab some <laughs> Southern Tier IPA Lake Shore Fog. I'm doing horrible at showing the camera this thing. Lake Shore Yeah, I saw Lake, and I was like, yeah, I mean, why not? we will try it. That sounds like a candle scent. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when they check your ID, Bailey, do they do
2: the triple take? So I don't get ID'd when I have my beard, but, like, I shaved last week, and I went out to the restaurant. I went out to Wisconsin last week to where I work, and first restaurant we go to, I got ID'd. So I was like, I just got to keep the facial hair. I Otherwise, that. I got baby face. What beard? I Believe it or not, I can actually, well, I shouldn't say a good beard, but like I can grow like an, an 80% beard. And I just like call it a beard more just because out of laziness and not shaving for weeks.
0: People I'm a weekend.
2: Me. I'm a weekend, guys.
1: <laughs> I, I've been not shaving good. once since uh, 2008. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I regretted it the one time I shaved it, and then I shaved it that one time, and things changed, and I never shaved it again. People always ask me, man, how do you grow your beard out like that? I said, there's one secret, and I'll tell it to you. Quit shaving. It'll grow.
0: <laughs> I promise. If you quit shaving, it'll grow. I promise you, mine would not grow like that. I've done it for four months when I look like Andrew Luck with the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> And Andrew
3: looked,
1: looked like the neighbor from the Burbs. You remember the neighbor? From, did y'all Yeah, yeah I know. Burbs. I had
0: the coldest chin and the warmest neck in the league. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny as hell. Oh, my God. All right. I'm drinking a tropical beer hug, Imperial IPA. And wow. the, folks, the folks, and it's a big one, too. It's a 16 ouncer. Oh, excuse me. It's 19.2. But folks that listen to this podcast know I don't discriminate against ABVs, and this was 9.9% alcohol. Wow. So, yeah. I, I grabbed it. Um, I think I've had it on here before, but I grabbed it today because I thought we'd have a good time.
0: That'll work. I think I think so. Oklahoma yeah. just yeah, did away with three-point beer like four or five years ago. Until then. When I wow. first came to college at OU, you know, we went out, and we were like, we are professional drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> And then everyone's like, you know, that's three point two. That's like water, right? <laughs> we're like, no, we didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> when were you at OU? Oh, uh, five
1: through 08. So I played at OU. I was with North Carolina, but we played there in two thousand one to open the season. Oh, cool football! So, yeah, got to, got to go there then. But the palace thing.
0: on the prairie. What? The Palace on the Prairie? Yeah. It's a good
1: time. UNC, UNC versus Oklahoma in 2001. Nice. I'm going to have
0: to yeah. Google that up. Yeah, YouTube good time. that up.
1: The, uh, that was – I can't get remember. Any
2: playing time?
1: <laughs> not in that game. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not. Um, North Carolina is the same way. I think it was like four or four and a half percent alcohol. And then Asheville started – getting all these microbreweries, and then things have changed, obviously, now. But, you know, that was 20 years ago. Matter of fact, I just turned 40. I'm old as hell. That was 20 years ago. Jeez. Bailey Bailey, Bailey was barely born.
0: It's the same way. I mean, I'm 37.
1: Yeah. All right, let's crack these opening. All right. Y'all ready? Three, yep. two, one. Nice.
0: Cheers, gents. All right. Starting. I even came prepared. I got I got my buddy shoreline boat and RV repair koozie. There you go. <laughs> now, I'm a koozie connoisseur.
1: I have you might can't see it. There's a box under this big blue tub. Yep. And it's got about 250 koozies in it. Nice. And, and I, I collect a, them too. Yeah, there's quite a few in there from people's weddings. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> People just went to a wedding and it was like, "Oh, Paul liked this koozie and brought him back to me."
3: That's
1: good. <laughs> so I have a bunch. I love the koozies. So Matt, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started fishing.
0: Boy, that I could go any number. So I'll tell you the first fish that I have a slight recollection of. So I was probably five or six. And our basement used to flood at home. (laughs) This is a true story. Where was home? Uh, Decatur, Illinois, Central Illinois, where everyone has basements because we have like good soil. And uh, we had, so we had a basement coming off of the kitchen and the steps went down and then made a right hand turn. So there was like a little triangle that I, you could kind of drop down the steps that went into the basement. Anyway, I would hang string over it. And my dad had cut out fish on the bandsaw with a O-ring in the nose. And he would tie the fish to it. And then I would stand up there in the kitchen with it going down into the basement. And he would like sneak in the side door and like pull on it. And I'd be like, I got one. And I'd pull in the wooden fish. That
3: is So
0: one time the basement flooded like really flooded. And I was convinced that I could actually catch a fish in the basement. And what you have to remember is there's another door that went down into our basement too. So like if I was in the kitchen with the string going down into the basement, I couldn't. So my dad went to the grocery store and he bought two whole trout (laughs) and I'm up there fishing and I get a tug on my string. And I I was convinced that I was going to catch something because there was a inch and a half of water it's a concrete floor down there it was an unfinished basement right and I pull and I bring it in and it's a trout like an actual rainbow trout and I'm like you gotta be kidding me I just caught a trout so I show my dad and stuff he's like "Well, we could cook it because I mean he had just bought it from the grocery store right and then I catch another trout like 30 (laughs) minutes later so then we, you know, they're gutted and stuff, I, I would assume already. I don't remember those details, but I remember we ate rainbow trout that I caught out of the basement. So that's probably one of the main ways that I got really hooked on fishing. I, I, I'd be willing to bet. Now, I listen to a lot
1: of podcasts where people ask, how'd you get started in fishing? Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet nobody else that we will ever interview in the podcast family of fishing Caught rainbow trout in their flooded basement. I can. Yeah, I don't eat it I don't
0: think I've told that story. Mary. I don't think I've told that story before.
1: That's an awesome story. Heard. So then, how? Yeah. Did, what did? So catching your, obviously, how did that transcend into actual fishing? Was your dad an angler? Did you start no,
0: after that? So my dad, uh he he liked to fish. They were fishing like my parents went to Canada fishing on their honeymoon, but like he wasn't a bass fisherman. He was more like he trolled for walleye. Like his yeah. bass fishing setup was a weighted bobber with a and pre-rigged night, uh, plastic worm on it with the three little gold Aberdeen hooks. Oh yeah. Cast yeah, it yeah. out on a spinning rod and just slowly reel it in. So he didn't, you know, didn't have any of that stuff, but he liked fishing outdoors, took me fishing all the time. Um, and then when I was, 13 or 12 i went to the decatur fishing expo and i did the casting kids contest there that Mm. bass sponsored at the time and i got third uh i made it to the state i didn't even know it was a contest you just cast towards a bullseye but they were like hey you did really well you get to go to the state and then i kind of learned about it and i realized you could win five thousand dollars in college scholarships and you could go to the bass master classic and they took it so i practiced like an hour a day the, the whole next year Went to the Holiday Inn down the street, asked them if I could practice in their atrium. Got the Zebco 33s, the exact power bait uh, jig and a half ounce. Marked it out 10, 20, 30 foot and practiced. And then I won the national championship the next year. I got to go to the Bassmaster Classic, the one that Denny Brower won. Hank Parker gave me a big $5,000 check. And I knew from that day on when I was 13 that I wanted to be in the in the fishing industry and, and fish the rest of my life. So That's actually how I got hooked. And then through that, the Assumption Bass Club in central Illinois, even though I wasn't 16, said, hey, you want to fish with our club? Well, I never fished a tournament at that. And and I fished one youth tournament uh, because of the casting kids with a guy named Bob Evans, who I don't know if you've heard of the restaurant. Bob Evans was actually sponsored by Bob (laughs) Evans and it made the Red Man All-American. (laughs) <laughs> like back in the eighties. So anyway, I fish with him. We got fifth. I was hooked. I joined the assumption bass club. I fished with them till I was uh, 18 years old as a, a co-angler. I uh, went and played junior hockey for a couple years in Iowa and Cincinnati. Uh, went to play club hockey at OU. Got a Facebook message from Chip Porcher, a guy who the elite series eventually for a year. He's like, Hey, I saw on Facebook, you like to fish. I've started a fishing team at OU. Hmm. Joined it was a communications major. Mark Jeffries ran the Bass Zone. He didn't like to pay people for work, so he wanted to get an <laughs> intern from University of Oklahoma. I interned for him. Pete Robbins, who now works at Bass, had something where he couldn't do some articles. He said, "Hey, you're a writer. Do you want to write these?" I said, "Sure." And he said, "Once you graduate, you can uh, go full time with me." So I started my own uh, independent company, Seventy One Media, in two thousand eight, the year that I graduated. The rest is kind of history. So there's a brief synopsis of six through adulthood. Yeah.
2: Is your, uh, is your $5,000 check still on your fishing resume? It's no, but
0: I have the jumbo check at my house in my room, my still room like that. My dad, my dad's, he collects, uh, antique soldering irons. Like you can't make that up. So he's got thousands of antique soldering irons cataloged. And then he has all of their, uh, all of the like details of it and uh, uh but in the corner i still have all my fishing <laughs> stuff and one of them is that big giant <laughs> check that says five thousand dollars on it so you gotta I, keep that thing. i i interrupt you Bailey. what'd you say
2: oh i was just saying yeah you got to keep that thing oh yeah oh, no
0: yeah. no it's uh, it's not going anywhere i close on a house on the 13th of january it'll be up in the garage on the wall there
3: nice thank you
1: your, your dad is an interesting fella because, so I'm country, if you can't tell from yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't collect soldering irons, but that's <laughs> really antique shit. soldering irons, not, okay. not
0: just any soldering yeah. iron.
1: Yeah. That, that shit's cool as hell to me. Like, I like old shit. I used mm-hmm. to have a 50, 30 by 50 shop, and I would go to estate sales, and I have my little local antique shops that's I went to. That's what he does. Yeah. Because I like old shit. I like old cast iron, I like old yeah. shit.
0: He also collects uh, antique hay hooks. Oh, cool! And has never farmed a day in his life or t- <laughs> picked up a bale of hay. But we have forty <laughs> antique hay hooks. I'm also a beekeeper. Oh, really? Yeah. So
1: yeah. you you referenced it as a I, sometime here in the last few episodes. You yep. said my your dad was beekeeper. I'm like I said oh, it I'm right like, at
0: the beginning. That's why I'm drinking yeah, the honey yeah.
1: days. Yeah, I'm an accidental beekeeper. I had a neighbor that had bees. We used to sit out back and drink whiskey and just watch his bees. And he gave me some bee boxes. And I have I moved them up to North Carolina when we moved back. And one day I walk out my backyard and I swear to God, there's a damn bee swarm. They're swarming. Oh, they the swarmed. Yeah, something had happened with the queen. Whatever. They landed on a branch. And I'm yep. like, holy shit. So there's on my Instagram, you can go back one of the earlier posts. I'm out there in shorts and a t-shirt and barefoot clipping them off and putting them in there. But not, now I got two hives. That was that was almost that was a year and a half ago. Now I got two hives. But, yeah, but your dad's an interesting fella.
0: Yeah, he's had them swarm a couple of times where they all, like, the queen leaves and then they have no reason to stay there or the queen dies or something or they outgrow it and they all just decide to leave. He's got, I think, uh, five hives right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, mine swarmed a lot last year, and anyway, I got an apiary. I give them too, but I was able to. Hey, I still got to. I'm. I don't do much. I like. I just. I literally will go out there and drink and watch them. Just
0: yeah. Watch them. <laughs> My wife's like, "What are you doing?" So I'm just watching the... They're game. really cool. Like, I mean, they're they are incredibly complex creatures. Yeah, they
1: they can be that. little assholes too.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I can't do that. I'm allergic. Are you
0: really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The crazy thing is, you can get like five feet from these. And as long as you don't get in their flight path where you see them, like they're docile. So he's like, okay, like, like two, the box, like two, he's like, stay away from them. But like all these, these <laughs> are mellow. so they have like different personalities. Oh yeah. And based on like where you order them and like what type they are and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I
1: got, I got one hive that every time I go in them, they're just, but yo, stingers know, yeah. all over the place. And I got another one. They are leaving buzz or crazy weird. Yeah. All right. If I don't bring this shit back down, we're we gonna be talking about bees, because I talk about bees as much as I talk about fishing. And ain't nobody here to listen to me talk about bees, even though I got my tie-dye shirt on tonight. But all right. So colleague, you had <laughs> you went through your story. I can't remember what I was gonna say on one of the questions I asked. Um, but you so did you fish in those high school years when you're doing that, were you actually fishing or were you just practicing? I mean,
0: no, no, I fished a lot. So yeah. I'd fish all the club tournaments and stuff for the assumption bass club. And then um, I didn't, I, I didn't. So I, I didn't fish a lot of tournaments when I played junior hockey. Cause that was a pretty demanding. That's like Bailey knows how that is. That's like a probably 30, 35 hours a week. You're gone on the weekends. But when I lived in Iowa, we lived in the Quad Cities, and it was right next to I think pool thirteen or fourteen or something. And this the arena was, and we had like a we had an eight p.m. curfew because we practiced at like seven in the morning. And uh, I went to the coach, and I was like, "Hey, man, like they catch like they catch like a lot of big walleye down there at night. And like I feel like this curfew is to prevent us from like being out going out doing stupid stuff. And I was like, if I'm like fishing, can I stay out past curfew? And uh, he was like, yeah, I don't care. So I met this dude down there. Um, it's kind of a sad story. I, I, have, I haven't even thought about this in years. I was down there. It's like kind of a sketchy area. And this dude walked up and I'm fishing. And he's like, hey, man. And I, I ended up fishing with this one guy like every single night for like seven months. And his mm. son had like died in a car crash the previous year and he didn't know what to do, and he was, like, by himself, so he went fishing, because they always went and fished down there, and his son had been my exact age, so he, like, took me under his wing, and, like, all the people that would, like, normally rob me, like, (laughs) he'd been down there for years, and he's, like, he's with me, we're good, so I would go down there, and we throw glow grubs for uh, walleye, they make these nets, so it's, like, above the lock and dam, right, so you're, like, casting, so you hook these things, and then it's, like, 12 foot down to the water, so they have these uh, bicycle tires, rims. They take the rim from a bicycle and then they stitch a net around it and then make a tripod with a rope. So you'd hook one and you'd be like, net, and they would lower the rope down, you'd swim the walleye into it, and then they pull it back up. Yeah. (laughs) Look,
1: that's redneck shit right there. That's some redneck ingenuity. I don't care where you are in the country, that shit right there is redneck.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I wouldn't imagine like you get too many eight to 10 pound walleyes thrashing around down there. You're going to figure out some way to get them up pretty
1: quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> so walleye walleye fishing on a side note, have you ever heard of Buck Perry spoon plugging?
0: Yeah. He's like the, uh, father of the spoon plugging. And didn't he do a bunch of, uh, uh smallmouth stuff on like is that him on Dale Hollow and stuff or
1: well I don't know specific lakes but he's he's the father of offshore fishing. Like he was yeah. doing this in the fifties and sixties with with nothing. Um and i I can get off on a tangent there, but what you know you talked about walleye fishing. That was kind of one of his big areas where, where folks knew who he was, but he's from he was from North Carolina. Yeah. Um and did it. It's just amazing the dude spent like 35 years and he fished three hundred days a year for thirty-five years. It was crazy what he did on the water and what he learned.
0: Yeah, I pulled it up. I was wrong about the smallmouth stuff, but but he well, he caught yeah. smallmouth. I mean, if you look at his stuff, it does, he has like a yeah mass. That's like 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 the yeah kind of bible of offshore fishing. Early yeah. in the days, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: it's it's so I I like it. It's very it's a good it's a good uh, reference point to fish behavior and and how they relate to structure yeah well, he, he speaks in absolutes which isn't which we know some things are different now with technology but just as a as as a good starting point a good a good way to 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 imagine where fish could be like what he his his stuff was anecdotal to a point it was scientific because he fished he was doing it it's really interesting to dive down into the his Is part of that structure fishing. Mm
0: -hmm. I've never actually read it. Do you have any idea what a spoon plug is, Bailey? Be honest. Uh, spoon plug? Yeah, here, I'll just show you. That's what it looks like.
2: I've seen guys, don't they use planer boards for those? No, this is like Like metal. metal? I think
0: uh, think Paul might have a spoon plug. (laughs) So it was, so back in the
1: day, there was, you didn't have what we have nowadays for crankbaiting, you didn't have. And so he created this stamped piece of metal.
0: This was like before the pose and all that. Stamped piece of metal. Is that a buck? Is that an actual original like spoon plug? Oh, it's not, no, they still make them. You can order them. I fish them. Really? Yeah. I fish them. Dude, they're
1: great. They're now it's like casting a Waze potato chip in a hurricane, even if there's no wind. It's like. Backlashing and shit it's a pain in the ass to fish but you don't have to fish it far you don't have to cast it far like a a, a regular deep diving and crankbait because it sinks to the bottom it sinks to the bottom and you start reeling it in and it maintains contact the whole time
0: wait so like you're out with two buddies and they're like what are you throwing and one dude's like i'm throwing a dt6 and the other guy's <laughs> like what are you throwing and he's like, I'm throwing a frit side. And they're like, what are you throwing? And you're like, I'm throwing a spoon plug. <laughs> for shit. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Yep.
1: Yeah. But it's hard to fish with those people because they're making they're making long mm-hmm. casts. This thing does not cast long at all. You troll it more. He trolled it, didn't he a lot? Yeah, so the 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 big so yeah, they trolled because they could cover so they did they used just a, a sounder. And they, mm-hmm. they found the break points and they throw buoys out. And so they trolled so they could cover the whole point. Okay. And if they caught a fish, they would stop and cast. But so I mean when you're you reel fish, it, is it
0: do, does it feel like a little bit like a chatterbait and a crankbait mixed together, or is it is it a do do do? It no, it feels like it feels like a crankbait. If you could if
1: you imagine the deep diving crankbait with a metal tongue, metal lip. Mm-hmm. That's is exactly what it feels like. Dude, how
0: would that not work on, like, Chickamauga and Gunnersville after they've seen a million eight and ten XDs and swim baits and hair jigs and that thing comes through? I mean, that's just got to be a party on their lateral line. I mean, what what ride setup, like,
2: ride reel setup are you throwing with that?
1: Just my regular, well. <laughs> like a um, chatterbait? No. I've, no, that I've, thing's got
0: to be, like, an ounce and a half, isn't it? I can't,
1: re- I can't remember. I've got, I can't remember all the sizes and shit. This is a really big one. This is like fishing really deep. Um, I've got no, it's a, um, it's the Cashin crankbait rod. Is what okay, so you use a, so-
0: a soft rod on it.
1: Yeah, it's but it's not as soft as, I've got a um, Carolina Honey Rig castaway rod, a castaway rod. That's my main crankbait, but that's super soft. Mm-hmm.
3: They dump it think. pretty good? Like, I
1: mean, do they get it when they get it? Oh I mean it's just it's it's a deep diving crankbait man huh. you're, you're reeling it you it's it's and then
2: it's but you're hung I mean you have me intrigued Yeah it's I got to try this thing This I mean it's a little
0: yeah it's got some spoon elements it's got some crankbait elements See, what, what I'm intrigued I mean do
2: they make smaller ones Paul Yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
0: they
1: have to So go to um I can't remember the name of the website. I'm thinking of like 40 foot on Lake Erie for smallmouth. So the, all right, to get into the weeds of this a little bit more, when you were fishing deeper than like 30 feet is what they say, you there, they would be fishing with like steel line. Because if you think about it, that that deep with something like that, even when you're reeling it, it's gonna want to climb because of yeah. the angle of your retrieve.
3: Right. So
1: that 25 to 30 foot range was about as deep as you could do it without controlling kind the of, of sinking line. Yeah, without a steel steel line, and it it's a it's it's crazy, man. It's a whole different ball game. But generally speaking, I can take this in 20 or 25 foot of water and throw it out there and fish it like I would a DD-22. Um, and it's just – and it's clinking and clanging. It's the same movement, and it digs. You know, so DD-22s really dig, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where the KV – the, the – um, six, uh, Yeah, the six at D's they'll swim down. Where that mm-hmm. DD-22 likes to just roll with it. This is the same way, but it's already in the bottom. It floats down. And then you reel it and it is digging. It ends up, behind, you know, so many times it ends up behind you as you're pulling it in. But yeah. it's neat. It's but I will say this it's not I I still throw the deep diving crankbaits more because it is a pain in the ass to throw. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, look at it. Yeah, it it's it when people talk about throwing crankbaits in there and it's like a potato chip. They ain't nothing like this because this is a potato chip, but it maintains contact the whole way, and it's just a different profile, different movement, and you got that metal on rock. If you can get it,
0: some rock, it's a good little bait. So, uh, kind of along that lines, in contact, it's an old school story. Then, Um, so I was doing a a documentary on Gunnersville a couple years ago, called the Gunnersville Effect on why so many guys who are classic Forcewood Cup MLF champions, live on Lake Gunnersville, And I ended up interviewing this old-timer named Rooster, like the bird, Rooster. <laughs> and he said when they were originally learning how to throw deep plugs and Texas rig and Carolina rig on Gunnersville, like way back in the day before flashers and everything, they would take a window weight and they would tie it to a rope, and they would drop it down on the bottom. And as soon as it hit, and then they would idle and troll, and they could tell when they came across a shell bed or a hard spot, or it mm-hmm. came up because of the what the feedback they were getting from the window weight. And my first question was, "What the hell's a window weight?" <laughs> <And> <laughs> yep. it, it was like a like a long piece of like kind of lead deal. And well, that—that's what well, they would use as to figure out what was on the bottom and how they would find offshore structure. Well, we'll that's think it. about it now, right?
1: So I know what a window weight is. Think about our drop shot weights—not the teardrop,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you have the long drop, the shot cylindrical ones, right? That is the—that's exactly what a window weight would look like, except it was five pounds worth of lead. And so you you pulled a handle and it would help lower. And it was the it was the counter lever to keep the window open. And so it was the same thing. So you know, fishing the the drop shots with the the cylindrical weights, you get a better feel than mm-hmm. with, with the teardrops. So that's the same. That makes sense. But I've
0: never heard of that though. But that makes that's sense. how they that's how they found the the shell beds and the drops on the ledge because you know you're like do 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 and then all of a sudden it's in really? open water so they know hey there must be something there
1: and there's a, a different
0: kick between the shell yo, bed yo. and rock and between, yeah gravel, gravel and mud and
1: yeah huh speaking anyway. of old school tell me about this story again i've already heard it i'm not sure if our listeners have heard it i'm not sure if bailey has heard it <laughs> tell us a story about you getting pushed into water in front of it fishing in front of the loading ramp, and the guys were trying oh, to. Oh yeah! I was like, "Fuck my son!" and threw you in the water. Tell them about this story. Well, it's just it right here. It. I swear to yeah, God, I was. I, I was had like, to, I re- I listened to it three times. I kept rewinding <laughs> it because. I drive a lot for my day job.
0: This yeah. shit was so funny; I kept laughing. I could not stop laughing. We were fishing a summer tournament on Shelbyville, and I was with the Assumption Bass Club. And I was with my buddy Darren, who like kind of he kind of took me under his wing. Like I didn't know the guy, and he kind of took me under his wing when he was when I was like 14 years old. When the assumption, and he's like, "Hey, man, you could fish with me on all this." Anyway, I'm 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 probably like 16, 15, 16 at the time when we're fishing in club tournament on Shelbyville. And it's like, Shelbyville sucks. Like if you catch three fish, <laughs> you're winning. And it's a six fish limit, which is even cooler. Oh like God. I don't think I've ever fished a tournament on Shelbyville where there's a limit weighted. I caught five one time and I was in the back of the boat and I, I had a flip phone. I remember this one time. And I called my dad and I said, dad, I've got five and John doesn't have any. And I, I, now I like look back on that and I'm like, if I have a co-angler who calls his dad to tell him that he's <laughs> severely kicking my ass, like that's probably going to rub me the wrong way. But at the time I wasn't looking at it like, ragged. I was just super pumped that I'd caught five. Anyway, long story short, middle of the summer, we're fishing this tournament, we're fishing this boat ramp and uh, Eagle Creek, Eagle Creek landing. And uh, this pontoon boat rolls in and they're like, Hey man, we're trying to load our boat. My buddy Darren goes, Okay. And he keeps fishing and I'm in his boat and I'm standing next to him and uh, they're like, get out of the way. And he goes, when your truck gets down to the launch ramp, I'll get out of the way until then I'm fishing public water. I'm not your way. I'm not in anybody's way. And they kept right, right, right. And he kept not saying anything. And then they said one more thing. And he said, "Uh," he said, when your effing truck gets down to the launch ramp, I'll back out of the way so you can load. And they said, oh, real nice way to talk in front of your son. And he looks at me and he goes, F my son, and just pushes me right off the boat. <laughs> and I just, choo, just right in the water. And, like, I just remember coming up and he said, dude, he said, you would not have believed the looks on my faces." <laughs> and I just, like, handed him my rod and crawled back in the boat. You can't yeah, I mean, it was the it was one of those hot, you know, hot days, and he knew I didn't have my cell phone on me, but like I wasn't expecting it or anything. I just went in like Excalibur, just up right in. <laughs> you know we're talking twelve, fifteen boat club oh, so no big this day deal age,
1: right? he'd have been arrested and put in jail for 20 years for kicking yeah but it was
0: fun we still talk about it i'll go back and hang out with him over christmas break and stuff he's a, a plumber he still fishes with the assumption bass club he's like the president of it now
1: i think so <laughs> that, that i laugh so hard with that, that was yeah yeah
0: story that, that that's a good that's a good club fishing story Like that's the same club that like anytime anyone won out of a marina, like regardless of where we were, whether the marina was like the takeout marina or 30 miles away from the launch ramp, that marina was off limits the next time we went there from the tournament (laughs) director. And then we would have, then it would be like all the guys standing around the boat, just, just, uh just yelling at each other. And then like every once in a while, a guy would just quit like at, at the tournament, just be like, (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah well screw you i'm done and then it'd be like i oh, guess we just lost wally <laughs> he,
1: he was back in three weeks though
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean we weighed our fish in a in a basket with a spring scale for yeah, a number of yeah. years when we started and you know the and you put them in the basket uh-huh. I it's fished, good times so I, after
1: when i was done playing football i fished in a local club here in North Carolina. It was the Alamance County Bassmasters Club, and it was it was the same way. It was a bunch of country country folk with $50,000 boats in
0: 2006. Yeah, these are, like, super good dudes. I they mean, they are. all, like, took me under their wing and, and taught me how to fish. But, I mean, wow. like, I mean, when I started, like, a lot of 5,600 pistol grips with a uh, Producto black grape red glitter paddle tail worm, three-eighths wow. ounce lead with a true turn hook on it, yep. Berkeley big game. Let them have right. it and then just pour the
1: coals on. Have you ever Carolina rigged crank bait? Bait. <laughs> no crankbait? i no <laughs> Bailey. Have you ever Carolina rigged a crankbait?
2: No, I've never done that, but I learned some Carolina rigged juice from uh Matty Wong, the new Elite series. Oh Ricky. yes. Some Hawaiian good. juice.
1: Yes, that was a good that was a good episode.
0: I mean, I guess so. Do you count? trolling a 10 XD in 40 foot of water on Lake Texoma for striper with an egg sinker in front of it. Carolina. I mean, it was a Carolina rig with a crankbait, but I literally was just using it to get it deeper. I mean, the day I I throw a Carolina rig is the day I stop bass fishing.
1: (laughs) Whoa. It's okay, man. We Sometimes you got to do the shit that we don't want to have to do to catch the fish that we got to
0: catch. I just think there's, eight new techniques that are more productive than a Carolina rig that would, that would get the same bites. Agreed. You know, <laughs> I can't. I, really I agree. That. I still <laughs> want I mean, room. so I could see it. I could see it. Let me say this. I could see it maybe lighter and a little bit of an emergent vegetation <clears throat> or something where you have a little bit of current potentially. It, I, I don't know. No, I don't. I'm trying to justify it. There is
3: no,
1: I'll tell you this after fishing Carolina rigs and grass growing up, and then learning the drop shot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A Carolina rig in the grass is a pain in the ass.
0: A drop shot is ten times more effective. The hookup ratio is bigger. Yeah. You're targeting uh, I mean yeah. it's and then if you're not if you're on rock, why aren't you throwing a head? Mm-hmm. Matt,
2: have but you experienced I will still will that.
1: throw will still I a still throw a Carolina rig with a crank if I now like there's If there, if if I piles, like there's fish there, usually around mm-hmm. brush piles, that I can drag it around that brush pile and sink it down and peg peg the peg the weight so it doesn't sink up. Mm-hmm. But peg the weight, I'll throw it down there and just slowly reel that crankbait. I mean, it's not hitting anything, but yeah. it's it's up off the ground. I mean, it's not anything. I'm I don't like doing it because you got to have a long ass leader. And yeah, that can't. And, that's got to
0: throw about as good as your spoon plug. It won't. It,
1: it, well, yes, and, and I fish out of a kayak, so oh, that's you <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it does I can't get a running start from the back of the mm-hmm. boat and run to the front and, and throw it. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So we, on this podcast, we talked to uh, tournament anglers, kayak anglers, boat anglers, content creators. You were all of those except <laughs> for kayak angling, but yeah. you were all of those. And Bailey is, is a kayak angler, but. Y'all both are content creators. Um, I mean, podcasts, videos. You're both really, really, really good at that, and the content you put out is is great. I mean, obviously, with BTL is the creme la de creme. You know, it's the top of top of the market for for the podcasting side. But your videos are good, and and Bailey, what they do with Sears Angler, and what they would do with their YouTube channel. You know, y'all are, are hitting that content creation side really, really good. And what's interesting, Matt, with what you're doing is you're doing it from that side and fishing the opens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this is a question for both of y'all, is you know, let's say we've got some folks here that, that are either a tournament angler that want to start doing content or they got somebody that's doing content that wants to get to, to that creation like just what are some of the – how How do y'all level out between the two and, and put your time in between two? And, Matt, for you, you've got – I mean, it, it's you're not out here fishing little local club tournaments. I mean, you're traveling the whole – you know, the eastern part of
0: the country. I and wish they, the western part too, but that's a different topic. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt, Look, you go first. Yeah, we, we I don't even know if we have any Western uh, listeners, but yeah, yeah so, uh,
0: so I'll be honest. So me uh, I guess content creating, filming and fishing the opens was out of necessity, like because I wasn't I wasn't gonna be able to, to fish at the level that I wanted to without creating the content. I had never done it before. And then in twenty nineteen, uh, AFCO did this or 2018 afco did this thing called the bass boot camp where they had a uh, john ziola uh and they paid for him to fish a couple divisions of the opens and the whole premise you know they had just got into the freshwater market and the whole afco and the whole shed family like genuinely wants to give back to the industry saltwater industry massive i mean bill shed basically uh casey shed basically runs the whole company now and, and it's not because Bill Shed wants to retire because Bill Shed spends so much of his time on environmental and fishing advocacy and rights and ocean and saltwater boards and, you know, working for anglers and bettering the environment and all that stuff. Anyway, long story short, they did this thing where they said, hey, we want to give this guy a chance. So I did it in 2019. Well, part of it was I had to do videos for each of my tournaments and I had never run a GoPro, didn't want to run a GoPro, uh, have always covered Bass Zone, you know, like, Hey, these are the professional anglers. It's about them. They're the ones who have gotten there. Let's keep the focus on them. Well, now I had to film all my stuff. So, I mean, I talked to, I mean, I talked to like Brandon and I talked to the guys who do it all and said, what do I need to do? And I, figured that deal out and started filming it. So it was kind of out of necessity uh, because I wouldn't have gotten my entry fees paid for by APCO if I didn't provide them the content. (laughs) But it was, I'm glad that I had some accountability because I had to film, right? Because I knew like, okay, they're paying, you know, all these thousands of dollars for me to do it. And if my camera goes off with an hour left and I've got four fish, and then I catch that six pounder in the last 20 minutes, but I hadn't, but I hadn't, you know, fixed my camera. Like, what is the value in it for them? The whole thing is getting that glory mm-hmm. shot. So like, I made sure that everything was running and I made sure to have backups to where I could, and then I realized, well, it's not really affecting my fishing. It's, if anything, it's like helping my fishing because I'm going back and I'm going, well, I didn't realize that I like set my rod down and took my rain suit off before I got that bite. And if I'm looking at that the first day, now I'm really dude, I need to slow down and let that Ned rig sit down there longer and stuff. So then I carried that into 2020 and then carried it into 2021 too, and just incorporated it, uh, through the bass zone. And I mean, my stuff doesn't get like a ton of views at all. I mean, it'll get, you know, in a year it'll get three to 10,000 views on all my videos. I mean, nothing compared to Scott Martin or Brandon or any of these guys, but, uh, but there's a core group of guys that really like it and it kind of generates some interest and it works well in combination with BTL talking about the opens and being able to go back and kind of watch some of that footage. And it just seems like it's just seems like it's always a cluster with me. Like I always end up in like just (laughs) stupid situations. Like i put myself in bad situations and then I get like animated. So like, I don't mess with it during the day. Like I just put it on. I have a, I have a eight hour, deal in there and I turn it on and I'll just like hit it after some fish catches, but it just runs continuously. Some days I talk to it a lot, some days I don't. I some days I have to like literally I'm like like I, I want to show a clip and I'm like how do I edit this because it's just going to be like eh, 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 just because of all the language in it. So, <laughs> but I mean I've got that- yeah
1: I've got hours upon hours of me fishing and I'm I'm very animated. And I, I talk to myself anyway, and then I put a camera behind me, so I get I actually get to talk to somebody. And um, but I, I hate the editing part, and I don't know. That's a whole different story. But the thing about the camera is, is, is it's not necessarily – Like catching that six pounder to win a tournament is mm-hmm. great. Catching that six pounder and they getting off at the boat and showing that pain. And that emotion at that point in time, like, that's what people
0: want to see. Uh, I don't want to see pain. No, nah, in- I don't want to see me land it. I, mean, <laughs> I watch me, I'll, I'll let me just say, I watch me landing fish way more than I watch me losing fish. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But people
1: yeah. want to see pain. So, Bailey, you do a ton of, video, and, and this is from both sides. You know, we got the bass boat side, and Bailey, Bailey does a lot with the, with the boat with, with Captain Andy. But you, you're also, you know, how, how have you kind of bridged that gap to be able to do the fishing, the video part, and the and the podcast part?
2: Uh, so I think, and I'm sure Matt has seen this, you know, for a mm-hmm. long time, is that when you do both, um, especially the fishing stuff, it kind of builds that community aspect. Yeah. Like, who's watching your podcast? They want to see obviously you you know you can talk all the talk but like they want to see you actually on the water and you know putting the stuff that you've been talking about the things you've been you're hearing from like actually to use um and i think seeing both sides of it on the water and then back in the studio actually talking about certain things i think people really affiliate with that in terms of one they'll be like you're being the podcast and you're talking to you know whomever your guest is matt and you'll be talking about They'll bring up, the, I see in the comments all the time when I tune into lives of people talking like, talking about one of the opens that you had, bringing up an example that you didn't even think of, but somebody who watched your video thought of yeah. and then it comes up on the show. Like I think from a content creator standpoint, doing both is really good because it just builds both sides of the community. You might have people that only listen to the podcast, but now they'll start watching your videos because they listen to you on your podcast. They like your podcast and, th- and then vice versa. So I think, I think it's good for anyone that's, You know, whether you're doing a podcast, I mean, you've seen a bunch of content creators now that are just like straight fishing videos, create podcasts Mm -hmm. because they see it's becoming a real thing. And likewise to people that have podcasts that want to put out more just like on the water content. Um, But I I think it's cool to see the different flip sides. And I definitely agree with Matt in that, like, I like it to have for content creation, but I also like it as a study tool to see like certain things that I didn't realize in the moment where you're like, you're back home, you're settled, you're relaxed, and you can actually have an open brain to really think about things. um, Especially like technique-wise where you notice some stuff. Like I can't tell you how many times where you're like, Matt, you're talking about, you've set your rod down, you see your rod going Yeah. Out. There are many times where it takes you yeah. like, okay, I need a dead stick, this thing. Yeah, <laughs> like there's so many bite.
0: times you do something weird to get a bite, and it's like you realize like, dude, I didn't even realize I did that. Yeah. Like I get so many bites when I like wash the area out. Mm. it's so weird like i'll look back and i'll be like i literally just like had my trolling motor turned and hit it and i'm like there's one and like at the time you don't realize it because now you're fighting them and stuff and you go back and you're like you're like that generated a strike like i've talked about that before i've talked to other guys who film and i'm like man have you ever like notice that like right after you hit your trolling motor a lot like you'll get a bite and and i had one guy go yeah dude it's the original wave. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, so you've noticed that too. Like I'm not, that's yeah. a thing. So then I started watching on live and I'm, it's not every time or anything, mm-hmm. but there are so many times where a guy's fishing, fishing, real stealthy up in there, flipping, flipping, like, seriously, watch this. You can go back and see it. It's crazy. And they'll turn their trolling motor and they'll go, whether it's to the next dock or to the next laydown, and they'll turn. And that's when, how many times have you seen a guy go, Oh, God, there's one right there. And it's right after they hit the button on their trolling motor. Like there's something there that is generating a response from the fish. And like, I mean, it's even to the point where like in the summer, I've jumped in the water and shallow with buddies and deep water and swam down and been like, okay, hit it on 30, hit it on 50. Like I'll grab a, a piece of fishing line. And like when I pull it, I'll like pull it. So I know what they're, when they're hitting it and I know it's like totally different with the fish and lateral lines and stuff, but I just want to, I just am mm-hmm. real interested in trying to, and that's all because of like filming.
2: Yeah. noticing mm-hmm. those There's, things. I'd have
0: never noticed that without it.
2: There's been a few cases where it's been like that. Like in the summer we have some deep grass in our clear lakes up here in New York. And I like to throw like a really heavy chatter, like an ouncer. And so like for people, when you watch like guys throw like hair jigs, I'm like the, you know, the TVA or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of their bites, they get it. was when they, they really fast and they just hold mm-hmm. their slack line, let it pendulum. That's when they get bit. Well, I didn't notice it at the time, but like when I was reeling this chatter, up, I was yo when I would yo-yo it and I let it fall down on slack or on tight line, like pendulum it. That's when I would get bit. I didn't realize it till I was watching film. And I started doing that the next time purposely. And I just started crushing and way more than I was Bad. already already. And then like even recently this fall, Lake Erie. I shouldn't say it was tough, because like people would swear at me when I, I say. I thought it you were catching like 30 20, thirty pound bags and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you mean you're catching big time. bags in the fall, but like people say it's, you know, quote unquote. I
1: mean they they were that big around. They yeah,
2: were so I had gone out had decent days. Like when you're you have a decent, you have the right wind, you're like making drifts and like you're you're always moving. So you think that's the right way to do it, but. I didn't have as great of day until I went out with my buddy and I realized when I was watching GoPro film that a lot of my bites had come off of my drop shot or my Ned when I had opened up my spool and let line out to let my, let myself contain bottom contact. So I went out with a buddy and I was like, whenever I was dragging, I felt high percentage areas like shells and rock and all that. As soon as I'd feel it, I purposely, I didn't say anything to him at the time because I was experimenting. I'd open my bail, leave it there for 10 seconds like just dead sticking and i'd open my bail back or close my bail reel my line tight and they were there and by the time i got i had a 610 a 511 and a 58 i had almost 28 pounds in the boat i decided (laughs) to tell them like hey you just gotta dead stick your base and you only had like two fish at the time i was like this is the deal like you just got a dead stick and like i wouldn't have known that though if it wasn't for the gopro footage yeah I think whether you're gonna post stuff or not gopros are a great tool I i also noticed like uh a lot of the time like I, I mean, in my head, I'm like,
0: "There's a bite, got him." But on video, I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah, oh no, is, <laughs> oh yeah, there's one." Yeah, there. yeah. And then I reel into it, and I'm like, "The hell am I doing?" Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even on fish I'm landing, like, yeah. I, it, it never occurred to me. Like, I sat there and just like messed with them for like two or three yeah. seconds, and then so like when I did the I did like the one on one series, I did a lot in like uh, 2020 during the COVID deal. And when we couldn't fish. And so I did it with like Christy and Cree and like guys who really fish. But one of the beautiful things about that was I got their footage from the entire day of them fishing against me. Cause I was in one boat with the GoPro and they were in the other dude. The difference between when a normal guy detects a, a bite on a, on like a Texas rig or a jig or something. And like a Jason Christie does. Oh my God. Like like I said, I'm sitting there like, oh, 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 yeah, let's reel down and lean into him. Christy's just like, whack. And you're just like,
3: mm-hmm.
0: what? And I'm like rewinding it in like slow motion. And you're like seeing when the bite comes. And like that dude is never out of position. And just, I mean, it's, it's insane. It's like five times faster than the normal human being. Go back and watch the one-on-one with Christy. He's got literally fish flying into the boat that are two and a half pounders. And you're like, it's like and he's sitting there. He's just like, boom! It's just out of nowhere, and that's it's that's
2: the Hook sets are free. That's yeah. A- yeah. yeah. But I'm just
0: like, it, yeah. It,
1: it's but- just cool to be able to see that. And so this is one of the things that, you, like, let's let's take the club level anglers. Oh, if I had the money and the time to fish, I could fish just as good as KVD and blah blah blah. And so I I played college football. I played with guys that played in the NFL that what folks do not realize you might be a great angler in your local club, but then when you get out there with the big boys, it's a whole different It's there's a, it, and it's not the skill level of fishing. It's the mental aspect of it. It is the small little things that people don't think about, about how you walk around the boat, how you set your stuff around. But like, and this is a good example is, is how somebody like that sets a hook and knows the bite and, and maybe they don't jiggle that bait out of that fish's mouth and thought they were hung on a stick or on a piece of grass. I mean, that's, that's the, those are the small things obviously we're able to see in video now. Mm-hmm. Those are the small things that separate the the professional angler versus the weekend warrior, the club champion, like that's, those are some things that come in there. You can't, and it's most people miss, right? Most people miss them because they're not looking for them, but to see that you're looking for that stuff, you start to build a little bit of that toolbox for yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, and vice versa, like on a spinning rod and stuff, I'll watch some videos and I'll be like, yeah, guy's doing it wrong. Cause that's like my, my jam. (laughs) Like what I really, you know, like. Duncan and Duncan. But I've caught thousands of fish doing that. Yeah. Just like I'll, I'll explain. You want to know, in my opinion, why guys like Chrissy get good? It's just time on the water. Mm-hmm. And and okay, can we do math on this show? Or is that a hundred percent. Okay. So so let's do You need a whiteboard? I'll get my whiteboard now.
1: I'm have no a, a whiteboard? whiteboard.
0: Do you oh have a whiteboard? Get oh the whiteboard. God. Let's do this the math is... on the whiteboard. I
1: won't look all these <laughs> hooks at hula mass holes that pick on me about my whiteboard. <laughs> See, we got somebody to put the damn shit in use right here. Hold on. I got to get a drink because somebody. told oh, me I thought was about get to get pull the whiteboard,
2: whiteboard out of the fridge. I, I, was, <laughs> I was like, wait. I like
0: my whiteboards chill. Yeah.
1: yeah. Look, I, look, I knew I was going to have to use it. So I also got my whiteboard cleaner out, which is my car wax.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I got to use my fishing shirt to clean it off, though, because can't well, he's,
2: he's cleaning this, Matt. There's a. You gotta have Maddie Wong on the show at some point. No, we will.
0: 100. Yeah, yeah. He actually
2: he's reached Hawaiian out techniques. and was
0: like, "Hey, do you want me on BTL?" And I had already planned on having him on. But then once you go through the car wash and do nine other of the podcasts, I'm like, mm-hmm. I always like to like let it breathe for a little bit. That's like dude, I want to get man. Matt Robertson on the show, but hell, he's on Stray Cast every third day. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Matt, Maddie is a. Uh, he was a really cool dude to talk to. You. But yeah, you know, and techniques that he unfolded like so that Carolina thing you talked Carolina mm-hmm. thing you're talking about it's like a 15 foot leader and you're throwing a little fly like a floating fly fly on the back of it and you're swimming it mid column to like upper column and that was the most interesting thing to me and yeah, which was funny, <laughs> which is yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> I'd ever try it because you have to like have this weird like fly roll cast with it. But the way he was describing it, that was like my a good head. way to end like, up with a
0: fly in the back of your head at the local LeVar. <laughs> 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 he, he, he
2: mentioned he did it, but I was just like, he's like, yeah, it's like a really cool way to fish a Carolina rig. I was just like, Mark Jeffries would purely enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, this is
0: why the guys are good. This is why, as I say, so, um, I, okay, let's say you are a diehard weekend angler. That is, you I, might miss some of your kids' stuff, but you're gonna I, fish two what's that? Matt, I, look you got to tell me numbers, dude. I right now. No, I'm giving you numbers. No, I'm gonna this is this is how I get to the <laughs> all right, numbers all right. okay. to justify the numbers. So let's say let's say you live in a part of the country where you don't have an off season. Like bait like or anybody where you're frozen. Like yeah, in the Carolinas. You can North fish Carolina. all, all year round
1: no let's say
0: jordan sharon harris so let's say that means if what there's 52 weeks in a year there are it is so let's just say you're fishing uh 25 of them just to make things easy that's a lot of fishing if you're a weekend angler and of those you're fishing uh two days that's either practice on a saturday tournament on a sunday or whatever Fifty days So you're on the water 50 days a year. That's a lot. Like, think about that now. That's a lot of time on the water. That's every other weekend the entire year. Now you've got holidays, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Christmas, all that stuff. So, like, you're pretty much doing something every week, right? But that's only 50 days Mm -hmm. a year. Now let's say you do that for five years. That's half a decade. So how many days are you on the water then? It's 50, 250. 250, five 250 days. That's over five-year period. You're on the water 250 days. A guy like Carl Jacobson, a guy like Brandon Polinick, a guy like Jason Christie, they're on the water 250 days a year for five years. What's 250 times five?
2: Oh, guys, that –
0: It's 1250. Yeah. 1250 versus 250. So you start to see how guys get really good with time on the water as far as that, and you develop it. Now, this is something else to take into account. Yep. This is something else to take into account. And this is kind of intangible. But if you're on the water, let's say you've got a kayak tournament on Sunday, on Saturday, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be trying to find fish for that kayak tournament. It's on a lake you've been to. You're going to go to where you caught them that time before. You're going to fish baits that you kind of know what's up. You're going to try to put something together so you can win. If you're on the water 250 days a year, you have multiple days to experiment, to expand, to learn new things. So you're going through phases of... The pre spawn, the post spawn, the summer transition, the fall transition, the winter, you're following the bait, you're seeing where the fish are, and you're learning. Like if you go to school one day a week, it's hard to get in the groove. You're in college, you go every single day, you're like, you get in a routine, you start to learn. So now you've got guys that are on the water, that are building, that are expanding their knowledge base for days on end. Mm-hmm. And it's taking the normal guy who's really good and dedicated and has everything in tournament fishes five years to have the same on the water that those guys have in one year. And you're not learning because you're trying to succeed in your tournaments, whereas they're learning more, experimenting, expanding. So now you can see how you get a guy like a Jacob Wheeler or a Brandon Pollanick. Or those guys, and you're like, well, how do they get so good? Are they naturally that talent? Yeah, there, I believe there is some natural talent. I believe in the hunter-gatherer deal where, like, some guys are just innately better hunters than other people, right? Like, that's goes back through their bloodlines. But you just do some simple math like that and then add some common sense to it. And it's like, okay, that's how these guys got good. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it the other way. I'm just saying it's a lot longer road and harder. Well, Look, when you have I that many phrase,
2: to do, It gives you the freedom to, like, you know, not to get away from the, <laughs> away from the like, Two hundred fifty days in five years. <laughs> fresh fish. Twelve hundred days in five years. <laughs> does that make Does that make sense, though? Yeah, 100%, yeah. I mean yeah. that that gives you the. I mean, you think about that. You know, yeah. Very nice handwriting. way. It's Impressive. Well, it uh,
1: th- thank you. I pride myself on being a Renaissance man. I have <laughs> okay. a lot of other a lot of other skills that we won't talk about telegraphy tonight. oh hell oh no 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 No! i'm colorblind i can't do anything like that
2: <laughs> well when, when you think so when you think about like 250 days in five years versus 1200 and you think about how much stuff and i'm gonna start this off because i'm an offshore guy so this is the first thing i thought of was when you take just six hours of graphing and the stuff you find in just six hours mm-hmm. and you compare 250 days and add another thousand, the things that you can cover one, the spots that you can find and then the days that you don't have to worry about practicing that you can experiment with, dude, it is insane. Just what you can like, I mean, that's a, that's an extreme advantage. Like you, like everyone always says, like Matt, like you said, just time on the water and people use it as this, general rule of thumb and it's almost become a cliche but it's always going to be the x factor now of keith combs on lived one. in
0: a literal 400 square foot box with no tv on lake amistad for six years and guided 300 plus days a year you want to know why keith combs is good with the chartreuse powder blueback 6xd because of that <laughs> oh yeah
1: and and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the spoon plug-in was like that's you know there's a lot of anecdotal evidence and what you get from that, but it's experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: you know the anecdotal side is what we what we tell other people.
3: Mm-hmm. The
1: experience is what we know that we can't necessarily mm-hmm. articulate. and that's why someone like Buck Perry that fished mm-hmm. 325 days a year where he was able to put it into a book and lessons on, on fish behavior. Who, who cares about the trolling and the lures that he used it that's not the point the point that i like about that and and i think what the professional anglers get into is they start to understand the movements of fish where fish are supposed mm-hmm. to be but if they aren't here then they're here and if they aren't here then they're here like that's where the weekend warrior doesn't ever get like if they ain't on the bank and they ain't in 10 foot of water on this point, the fish ain't biting today. Mm-hmm. But then the pros out there fishing in 25 foot of water on the same point, catching three and four pounders. So that time on the water and that experience starts to get you start to realize where they're supposed to be. And if they aren't there, well, then they're here.
0: That's like What time gonna, on the water does is it it, the get like things that you take for granted that you're given, you're starting further ahead. And and I'm not saying that like dude if you fish on the weekends and stuff like you could like I know a lot of weekend guys who are yeah. really 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 good and enjoy it and they expand and they're really good. I'm talking about if you're sitting there just fishing a weekend and going why am I not at the Christie level? Why am I not at <laughs> because then the other thing that comes in is there's a bunch of guys who put in all that time and they still get their butt kicked. Mm -hmm. right so then you have this whole productive practice versus natural skill versus outside factors you know Mm -hmm. like i mean i could practice the piano eight hours a day for five years but if i don't have anyone there to teach me and i don't know how to read music it's going to sound the exact same after five it's just going to be you know (laughs) what i mean like productive practice so like so like here's the thing that i think for the weekend anglers that is super important that i've come across is if they're trying to get better like if you want to just go out and enjoy it and stick with what it is, and maybe your buddy teaches you something, freaking great. That's what it is. That's what you're there to do. You're there to have fun, enjoy it. Heck, you win a couple, the camaraderie, getting a bitch fest at the club tournament. Like that's all part of the great, <laughs> lovely things about bass fishing. But if you're trying to get better, like you have to have a – I kind of think you kind of have to have a game, you have to be productive practice. Mm-hmm. You know – be in the boat like on your on your one day with someone maybe not fish a tournament and have a buddy who's really good in my case like at carolina rigging and say joe what are you doing this week you want to teach me that carolina rig man are they biting <laughs> on it anywhere let's go you know what i mean like that's how you start yeah. to learn and get better on that stuff so it's not like a hopeless case if you're not able to go spend 250 days a year on the water because there's very few guys that can mm-hmm. you just have to be like if if your goal is to get to a next level and get smarter and, you know, climb that tournament ladder or just, you have to be smart about it. You have to make sure that the time that you are on the water is productive.
1: And to bring it back around to what, what started this whole part of this conversation was the video side of it. And what that video does is now you're able to recap your day fishing. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to get to that next level, any sport I've ever played, even in high school, in the 90s, we watched film of practice and of games. When did bass anglers, professional bass anglers, start watching film of themselves to review their their practice and their tournament fishing? When live years ago?
0: came out, when live started? And guys so, would sit there and watch live afterwards?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so this is not anything new in, in the sports realm, and we're not even talking mm-hmm. about professional, we're talking about all the way down to high school, Put, putting this video use, and in, in, in I'm taking what y'all said, because this wasn't where I was thinking. But Sorry, did I take this way off the tracks? No, no, you didn't. You didn't. But what you did is you opened my mind because mm-hmm. we went from video, from creating content with video to push out for people to like and subscribe and to build our brand to then bring it in to, if you want to get to the next level, this video content is invaluable to you as a tool to use to get better. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, so the the content creation side on the video ain't necessarily about for the, fa- for yeah. the people watching, right? It's yeah. for you. That's, that's huge. That, and and I
0: think, But it's also difficult to, like, pinpoint. So, like, if you – what position do you play in football? I was a punter. Okay. So, if you were punting, you could literally go back and look at your punt, and let's say you shanked one, and you could probably see why you shanked it. I shanked
1: shanked on ABC National Television against Clemson. I shanked a (laughs) seven-yarder. (laughs) A seven-yard punt. It was wonderful. ABC (laughs) – Two thousand two, I believe, two thousand two at home. Had I for South Carolina originally, I had all kinds of people watching everything. Good seven fucking yards. That bitch went straight right. <laughs> Look, I, I kicked I kicked it and it went straight right. I I knew it was bad. I just ran yeah. off the field. All right, so we're gonna get off on a little quick tangent. My coach, my position coach, Coach Powell. Who's with the Pittsburgh, with Pittsburgh now, the Panthers, what the hell, whatever they are, Pittsburgh. But anyway, he, he bass fished and he fished BFLs and stuff. And, and he's he took me fishing, like on his bass boat. He goes, <laughs> he's country too, he's from South upstate to South Carolina. He goes, what the fuck was that? I'm like, I don't know. It was terrible. But yes, I watched that film. I watched that kick four times i didn't all i needed i didn't have to watch it to know what i do know what i did but to get back to the point yes i know when you do okay. something shitty in front of thousands of people how it feels and i want to go have, back and, and review that tape we reviewed. I might have found all it all the
0: time you found it
2: i hey. might have found the game on youtube
0: uh-oh uh-oh
2: Okay, I gotta. So i gonna have to watch it after this to see if he's. I will like, send me that link.
0: I'll watch it. So here, <laughs> but here's my point. So stick and ball sports, everything. There yeah. is a correct way to do things, right? Fundamentals, right? In fishing, you can have all the right fundamentals, but there are so many outside influences, and there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like I believe on any given, any given tournament, and th- and sometimes there's more there's like three or four or five or six different ways you could win it. It's just just that happens, you know, one guy wins it that way. So that's why I don't think the film thing really took off in fishing because you can't really watch it. You can say, here's why I lost this fish or here's what I thought I did poorly or something. But you can't literally just watch your tape and go, here's why I finished 150th. Right. Because you also don't know up until recently – at the highest level but like if you fish a kayak tournament do you know what what the guy what you did quote unquote wrong no because it's not like there's a live camera with the top 10 guys you know what i mean to where you can go back and say oh that guy was targeting stumps on flats that had skull rock on it when i while i was targeting bluffs like you don't know that. So it's really hard in fishing to analyze tape outside of your mechanics because it doesn't show what your good and bad decisions were and what the right thing to do. It's not like a stick and ball sport where you can say, well, well, you know, if you were, had better edges or, you know, whatever, if, you know, mm-hmm. your, your yeah. ball went through your legs because of bad mechanics on that stuff. That's why I think it's harder to – for the fishing plus it it's a sport that takes place over eight to 10 hours over the day. And it's a 40 hour deal. It's like really yeah. hard to go back and review all that. Well, think about all the unknowns in fishing
1: and we'll, we'll compare it to golf because it's an outdoor sport. Yep. How many unknowns are there in golf? They can see the weather. They can see the traps. They can see the rough. we, most of the time, right, most of the time we're fishing, we can't see the fish. I mean, mm-hmm. le- electronically we can, but look at all the unknowns. I mean, there's so many unknowns, so many unseen in, in fishing that makes it such a difficult sport. Yeah. That That when we try to relate it to golf or any other sport, there's, there's not a lot of unknowns there. Yeah, sure, somebody maybe feels bad or got is hung over and they're not playing good, but in general, the, the there's a lot, a lot more unknowns that we have to work through in the fishing sense that you don't have to in other sports. And I think that's one thing that makes it kind of boring from a spectator side, is that, you know, there's a lot more going on, as you as the angler knows, that a spectator wasn't. But again, but... To the point is, it makes it makes it so much harder to learn because even us, the people catching the fish, are are still trying to conceptualize what's going on, and we're just guessing a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times I'm like, that one's
3: lucky. Where
0: did that one come from?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got four faces of sonar, and you catch yeah. a fish, you're like, I never saw it. Where'd that fish come from? You know, I mean, so mm-hmm. even with the technology we have, it's still a difficult sport to to put to put everything together. Nothing ever fits in the bag, ever. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, it's it's just it's a it's a it's frustrating, but it's exciting, right? That's, that's, what, what, makes what, it, that's what makes it. That's what makes
0: it worth it for the yeah. three times a year when it comes together for you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure.
2: Yeah. On the content creation thing, I will say something that I've noticed since I started running a GoPro, especially uh, for tournaments, is when you try to, like, make an effort to, and this is just for me, but, like, when you make an effort to, like, make a good tournament video, um, so, like, you're talking through your tournament day or whatever, I have noticed that if I can just have a GoPro running all day long and I'm talking my way through it, I'm more or less not really talking to the camera, but more talking to myself through the process. And it almost helps me evaluate what I'm doing, talking through my day, making sure I'm thinking clearly and making, mm-hmm. and it might not be the best decision, but it makes me think through my decisions a little bit better than, you know, like, I don't know. I, d- I just noticed that I started doing that once I got that GoPro. Dude, over, you're dead you know, nuts on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because like- if you're
0: sitting, if you have to sit down and explain, why you're about to run thirty five miles up the river when you have one fish, and you're sitting there and you're like, really oh, don't look. have a good reason why. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I'm on a kayak. If, you don't, if you don't have that, uh, if you or, or whatever it is on a kayak, make a three mile paddle to some other deal or whatever. You know how <laughs> it is. But if you don't have that accountability, you're just mad. You slave the trolling boater down. You're like screw it, I'm running up the river. <laughs> and then, you know, you get up there and you're like, I don't even know what to fish up here.
3: <laughs>
1: I've never
0: even been here. Yeah.
1: So that's interesting too. That brought up a thought in my mind. Matt, when you have a, a, a co-angler and you're running your video, are you talking to the video? Like, does that
0: change how you interact with your
1: video Most equipment? of my
0: stuff is just a stream of consciousness. Okay. Like, I'm, I talk a lot during the day like I just bounce stuff off I'm sure like the guys are like why the hell is he asking me that like, <laughs> half the time but I'm not like you know what I mean I'm just like you're bouncing. talking to yourself like why the, yeah. why the hell did you just throw that there no no more so on decision wise okay like you know like kind of feels dead doesn't it you think it feels dead it feels dead to me does it feel dead to you what do you think you know and sometimes they'll be like yeah, this place sucks. because sometimes <laughs> they'll be like, I, I don't know, man, I'm just back here. And other times, you know what I mean? But like yeah, just stuff yeah. like that a lot but of that times. Stuff is, you,
1: but but
0: what you're saying is that stuff, that's a
1: conversation you would have with yourself if somebody wasn't in the second yeah. or not. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah it's just okay. nice to have like bounce it off. And every once yeah, in a while, yeah. you, you know, you'll get something and they'll mention something that'll be like, yeah, like, you know, the last spot we were at there, there was some shad flicking out there and I haven't seen anything here.
2: And then you're like, oh yeah, you're right. So like, I mean, you know. I think having that conversation though is good. Like (laughs) whether you're talking to yourself or talking to a co-angler, it's just like yeah, you're right, Bailey. You might be getting caught up in like what you've been doing in practice or what's been working for you. You might be getting caught in what's been working for you, not in actually fishing that moment and talking to yourself, walking yourself through it though, helps you get back in that moment what's going on real time. And like Mm -hmm. it could be an obvious adjustment, but like if you're too focused on what was happening in practice, you can easily miss it. Whereas Just asking yourself a basic question or two can help you kind of reset and then make that right adjustment.
0: That's called conceptual blindness. (laughs) Perceptual blindness is when you get so dialed in on something that you don't actually see what's going on. Yeah. aka tunnel vision. Yeah. It's like, so like the brain can, I've like really researched this. I haven't talked about it in a couple of years because it's kind of Randy Blockett-ish, but... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look, I love fishing with no underwear on. I'll just say that.
0: And I like Randy Blockett. Like, a lot of people give a crap. I like his his abstract thinking and outside the box, like, 100%. And I know what he does. And, like, dude, the guy has, like, a quarter of a million views a week. He knows what he's doing. I respect that. Yeah, that's a side note
2: thickest skin in the industry (laughs) oh he's the
0: smartest guy ever he's like i can record a video with my kid in the back seat and call it a secret say something it's it's brilliant what he's doing is brilliant and the guy actually has the chops he's been around forever he's incredibly nice i love the interview long story short a lot of the times when you have your best practices why you have your worst tournaments is because you're so dialed in on something you are actually physically incapable of seeing what is going on because the brain processes what it feels like is important. So if you're telling it that X, Y, and Z is important, it doesn't see A, B, and C because it can process a million different things. So that's why so often in a tournament when you think you're going to smash and you come in with nothing and you talk to your buddy and he says, well, yeah, you just had to fish laydowns on the main lake. Well, if you're fishing docks in the back of pockets and that's what is important in your brain and what it thinks is you don't even see the laydowns on the main lake because you're running docks in the back of the pockets. Well, in hindsight, you're going, well, if they're not, and you know, you run it all day, day and day, you don't catch it. In hindsight, if you're like, if you're have never been on that lake before, what are you going to do? You're going to go, well, they're not in the backs and they're not on the docks. So I'm going to work my way out. And I'm gonna start fishing and you're gonna end up with on laydowns on the main lake. Mm-hmm. But if you're a hundred percent dialed in and focusing on something else, that stuff doesn't exist because that's how the human brain functions in order to survive and process what it feels is important for survival.
1: But that's also why we have the greatest anglers that have ever fished I have such a low winning percentage, is because the um, let me say let me see if I can say this right. Like fishing is the losingest sport.
0: Yeah. KVD wins
1: less than 12% of the time. Do, But when you get dialed in on catching a fish, you don't want to leave that because that's what got you. Well, that's why you're here. And so it's hard to break away from that because mm-hmm. now, now, now you get into this thing of like, well, shit, what should I be? Or, I guess it's, it's the indecision aspect of, well, this, doesn't, this didn't work. What the hell do I do now? Now you're sitting in the middle of the lake, you know, fumbling through your maps or whatever it is. Like you, you get into a point of indecision, and now you're wasting time. So it, it's, it's, that's the hard thing about fishing. I've been catching fish here for three days doing this, wearing them out, and now ain't a, I, nothing, can't even get a bite. So how do you completely change that mindset
0: to go, sh- you, where do I go? I mean, I guess I'm on the water going. because you've seen it. Yeah, you've been there. I you've done it. You understand it. And that's why. Yeah. What is KVD's motto? It's all about the attitude. What is Ike's motto? Fish the moment. The well, what very do they do top, that's what I said. Asked. They make decisions without thinking about it. Mm hmm. And that's a combination of being really good and spending a lot of time on the water and having seen it and been through all those scenarios. Like, I, I know the more and more opens I fish and the more bigger tournaments I fish, I mean, there's a lot of times where it comes down to a couple hours and I still need to catch a couple to not suck. And uh, I, I've told you that, Bailey, I, I would 100% like five years ago weighed in seven or eight pounds on day two at thousand islands and i'm driving across the bay after i left the area that i knew had three to five pounders in it and i'm literally 20 miles away from where 15 miles away from where i would just was with two hours left and i'm like i've seen this play out before and I'm headed back towards the weigh-in where there's a hundred other boats. than every spot that I'd caught one on, I knew there were going to be boats on it. And I said, uh, "It ain't going down like that." Like I, I, and the only reason that I knew to turn around and go right back to that spot was, at, or, or and make a little adjustment. But to go back to that area and not spin out and just randomly be like, "Oh, I gotta make something happen," just to settle down, was because of the freaking ten other tournaments that I'd spun out, and it hadn't worked out <laughs> in a single one of the dang tournaments right? Yeah. So I knew go back, get in your comfort zone, make a small adjustment. Those fish aren't going to leave that stretch of the river. There's mm. something that you're missing here. Settle down and getting freaked out. Doesn't help you at all. You know, they're there, figure out the nuance. And in my case, the nuance was they wanted something on the bottom and I was fishing a drop shot two foot off the bottom, which I took a cue from my co-angler. And the other nuance was there was, I started looking at my map. I'm like, well, why did I catch 15 here? I mean, I I have an hour left and I'm like, man, there's a contour line that I haven't drifted yet. Why haven't I not drifted that? I'm talking to this to my co anchor We've drifted this 50 times a day. Why haven't I drifted that? We should go drift that. You think we should go drift that? You got another one of them heavy net heads? He's like, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and yes. I go, I go three and three quarter, four and a half, or three and a half, four and three quarter and a six, six in the last half hour. Saves my butt and I weigh in 21 pounds. Like five years ago without that experience and stuff, I'm running around going everywhere I've caught, there's boats on it. I weigh in three dinks and I finish 120.
2: I'm I'm going to take partial credit showing you where the uh, sonar chart button was on your HDS uh, 12. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that was a cluster.
2: (laughs) I'm not even a Lawrence
1: guy. (laughs) So Matt, that also takes back when when you and Mark kind of reviewed your year and what you talked about, one of the things that you talked about in there too was the times that you should have gone and fished for the bigger bite. Yeah. And and so coming through this progression of what we've been talking about, time on the water and experience and, and seeing things differently, that plays out with what you talked about in that episode. Was was you know? I know next year that there's a time for me to quit catching the two three pounders.
0: To go out. Uh, there's never a time to quit catching threes unless you're on Thousand Islands <laughs> <laughs> or Sharon Harris. Those lakes you fish, but yeah, I know <laughs> what right. you're
1: saying. Right, but it, and so to, you know, when you start thinking about it from a tournament angler side, like that's that's hard to
0: do. To, to
1: fish yeah
0: scary it's not safe anymore yeah but i mean you have to do it if you want to make it you're trying to finish in the top three mm-hmm. so in order to do that i mean you you have to capitalize on some risks yeah that's right and and you even said it you said
1: i probably could have been there i'd have mm-hmm. done it
0: And the thing is with 200-some boats in the opens, like, you're going to have 75 guys that are doing risky stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like a small – so, like, out of those 75, yeah, you're going to have a lot that are going to crash and burn. But percentage-wise, some guys are going to hit it. And that's – you see what – you know what I mean? Like, the more boats there Mm -hmm. are, you got the freak – there's more chance for a freak show.
1: Yeah. And, and a, a majority of those boats in those opens are going to be local guys that know how to hit it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And that are only fishing that, you know, one division and are just going. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're, we're up on an hour and 20 minutes and we're going to, I don't want to keep y'all too, too long because I, I could, I could talk all night long. If people ever listen to this podcast, they know that. But I want to talk a little bit about BTL. All right. And, because pretty much the majority of us talking about bass fishing in this podcast setting wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for y'all. I mean, a hundred percent you and Mark or y'all went Mark went from radio and then y'all went to the XM serious and then to the podcasting side. So, I mean, it's the folks are going to like you're, you're the folks that do it. So, What, uh, I guess what, what, how do you, how are you going, how are you feeling about going into the new venture side of BTL with what you're doing? How are you going to have some guest co-host? Are you going to have a a side, are you going to get an intern that you that you make earn his right to come work with you for three years to come on? Like kind of what are you thinking about doing with the podcast side
3: of it?
0: Um, Well, the first thing is, and I've talked about this on the show before, is it's going to be a different show just because it's not going to be me and Mark. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's uh, and bruise is a different show because you're you're normal. you know what I mean? It's just it's going to be different. And that's the thing. But there are I mean, the the same elements. And the one thing I always say is entertain, educate and engage. The three E's, the way it goes about, the way the guests are booked, the way I look like, that is going to stay the same. The same with the with the normalcy of the show. The three shows a week. Uncle Frank is still going to be there. I mean, I, I'm still going to be doing and talking about the same things that that I do. And Mark is. It's not like Mark is like moving to Iceland.
2: Like he still lives there and I'm like using his studio
0: for the first year. Yeah. But it's gonna be different. I'm gonna take it in some ways that I, you know, want to explore different paths. I, I'm a little bit I, I feel like I like going down the wormhole a little bit more on some stuff and getting kind of really deep and behind the kind of trying to understand the workings of things and going back to the original stories, understand why guys tick and how they tick and, and, and that type of stuff. Um, So, so I'm going to take that. I'm not going to go with like a co-host right off the bat, but I am going to experiment with, you know, uh, possibly having a guy, that's driving through Oklahoma, and we do three shows. Where we do a show where I interview him, and he's in studio, and then we do a tips and tactics show, and then he's sitting next to me, and he's my co-host for a day, and we have another guest on the, on the live stream. You know that that we then interview. So that would be like a guest host week. Uh, possibly doing some weeks uh, while I'm away for, for the opens. Not at the very beginning because. I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. So there are going to be a couple pre-recorded shows. Um, obviously, I mean, we're not going to be talking about the daily stuff, but if, if I'm going to fish all nine opens and do BTL, I need to make sure that I'm not doing a sucky job at BTL because I'm trying to focus on fishing and then get off the water to do a BTL that I don't want to get off. And then I don't want my fishing to suffer because I'm trying to do good at BTL. So if I can do, you know, top-notch BTL shows that, you know, you're listening to a day after they were filmed and then still catch them. That's the ultimate goal. But the majority of the stuff will be live. Like I said, Uncle Frank will be there. And, and it's like kind of, every time you do something right, whether it's on the water or, or in a podcast or at work, like, you know, when you do, when you do a good job at it, you have that feeling you get done with it and you're like, yeah, that was good. And I know that when I hit that right, that right click, that right thing that works right. That like, I'll be like, that's it. Like I, I was trying to think of who my first guest was going to be on January 3rd. Right. And I haven't booked them and I haven't, man, I went through eight or nine different guys. and I'm driving home. I'm available. From- <laughs> my first guest. So I'm driving home today. And I don't know if you listen to the show, but I've had this long running thing with this one guy. And he's like, Oh, you're timid, of-. And I'm like, dude, it's got to be Jason Christ. Like just myself to have, and I'm like, boom, that clicked. So that's going to be, and if it's not like I've got a couple other guys, if like he's not available, you know, on January 3rd, but like I said, like it, I'll keep experimenting. I'll listen to the listeners. Cause I get a, a ton of feedback. I think I mentioned that before, like just a ton of DMS, a ton of emails. Um, and that's good. Cause our, our listeners are incredibly educated. I mean, it's a very niche podcast. I mean, it's like, it's not just bass fishing. It's not just tournament fishing. It's not just – it's like this weird, eclectic group of, like, cerebral and business side of yeah. professional bass fishing. Yeah. I, I uh, think it's a
1: lot of out, out outdoors, outdoors people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not just the fishing community. So I mean
0: if it if it sucks, I'll hear that it sucks and I'll see it in the right. numbers that it sucks and I'll do whatever it takes. But man, I don't I don't plan on it sucking. I plan I plan on taking it and taking what Jeffries did yeah. and what Jeffries built over the last eighteen years and building on that for the next eighteen. And and you talk about that too, is like like the the the
1: steps have been laid. Yeah. You're you're going to continue to follow the steps of success, and no, if play. it if
0: it fails, it's like a hundred percent on me. It's not wow. like I wasn't handed like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> I'm excited
1: to have kind of the you fishing the opens. I'm mm-hmm. excited to kind of have that aspect of on-site slash live. You know. The, uh, being there because you're gonna, you're probably gonna talk to some people that are that are in, in the opens that are not necessarily well known that are, yep. are gonna be interesting people to talk to. So I'm excited about that side of it. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's gonna change at all. I think it's just gonna be a growth upon what is there.
0: Yeah, the goal is to probably be live at five of the Opens. Um, There's some that are just like logistically probably not like Red River and Sam Raber, you know, just not great. Uh, I mean, like Hartwell, I could definitely do it live. I mean, it's right there by major cities and infrastructure and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if I do that now, you're talking 15 live shows next year from the Opens. Like, I think that could really add some stuff to the show.
1: And that kind of steps back into kind of like the Bass Zone days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the live side of it.
0: I mean, that, that goes back to the roots of what BTL is Yeah, today. with Harold Allen and wide open at the Bassmaster Elite Series events, having the guys on after every day when they yeah. do well and kind of breaking down the tournament and yeah. all about being there. Yeah. yes, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. A lot and, easier to do stuff live nowadays than it was back then, trust me.
1: Well, yeah, you on know, the last episode that y'all did, Mark's going away party, y'all t- they talked about, they touched on how big of a pain in the ass it oh, was, it was to do anything. You know, you had cameras that you couldn't look at wrong that would break and this and that. Matter of fact, I want to tell you that you you setting all that up was absolutely amazing. It was four <laughs> four and a half hours of Unbelievable guests and just great. I mean, it was it was
0: flawless. It was literally flawless. It was hey, unbelievable. I it was. You. I don't know if you saw me looking at my phone and leaving the desk all the time and walking and being back and forth, but there was some shuffling that went on because you had certain guys. Like I mean, dude, I'm not like going to leave Rick Pierce in the queue for thirty minutes while we talk. <laughs> You know but you I mean? left Ken Wood there for
1: like an hour and a half. Ken,
0: yeah, yeah, Ken Duke. But <laughs> I, had already, I had already talked to Ken Duke <laughs> and told him, like, listen, like, there might be a little bit of a buffer here. You're on the show all the time. What do you have going on here like if, <laughs> if I have to, you know, and then I had to move Dave Rush another hour later yeah. and stuff. So but, yeah, it went well, I'm glad, yeah. You, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. That was the whole point. I mean, the dude had been doing it a long time. He deserved to have a show. There were a couple guys that he yeah. wanted, obviously, to make sure he had on. A couple of surprises that we threw in. But, like, the beautiful bit. thing is people in this industry are so easy to work with, too. So it's That's not like, true. you know, you're not dealing with, like, agents and prima donnas and guys who are like, I'm <laughs> six minutes late, I'm done, and stuff. You know, they were all, like, super understanding. So. Yeah. How yeah. pissed... Be tr- be truthful on this now.
1: How pissed was Mark that you forgot his birthday?
0: He's that was so petty. <laughs> He's like because 59 years old. He was like genuinely pissed for probably 2 days. <laughs> Look, but that's I Mark.
1: I don't watch I don't watch, so I drive a lot. I yeah. listen to everything audio. And when I was listening to the episode <laughs> You kept trying to touch back on his birthday. It's like, no, no. We we spent like three days celebrating your birthday last year. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal.
0: He doesn't have any clue where my birthday is <laughs> if people didn't say it in the instant feedback. <laughs> and the only reason we it wasn't was the day that it was his birthday was the Aaron Martin's tribute show. Uh, and rightfully so. We yeah. talked about Aaron Martin's for two and a half hours. <laughs> if it had been any other day. Someone would have gotten on and been like, Happy birthday, Mark, because they're Facebook friends with them. And I'd have been like, Happy birthday, Mark. And it all would have been fine and dandy. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's in the past now, but yeah, he was salty about that for two days. I still I yeah. mean it does it wouldn't have bothered me if yeah. anybody forgets mine.
2: But I try that's to make people forget mine. I don't tell people about it. You're like 19. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just don't like. I don't. I don't know. I'm weird. I don't like attention, so I never break. When you bring turn forty, you're a quarter of a set. Cent-
0: you're a quarter of a century next year, baby.
2: Yeah, or this year. Next year. Next year. Next I just year. turned twenty-four last. I too much. Yeah. Mm. I, I got I'm an idea know. for you, Matt. Hmm? I got an idea for you. All right, hit me with it. So your route into things and I'm just spitballing here, but like you started out in, in getting in this industry at, for, with an internship. And yeah. I think with modern technology and the ease of doing things, I think it'd be really cool to kind of see you almost kind of like with your route. And I think your, your route is very unique and almost give back in terms of like, you guys have a, uh, I mean, your YouTube's like for BTL is pretty young in terms of like yeah. how long you guys have been doing it. And I will speak on behalf that tuning into majority of you guys' shows live. I You guys get a crap ton of comments, and it's almost, I would say, impossible for you for you and Mark, and now just you, to, like, keep up with it. I think it'd be really cool for you to, like, bring on, like, a part-time intern as, like, a YouTube moderator to just, like, keep up with comments. I think that would be really cool because I think just in feedback of, like, mm-hmm. just chatting with people, and obviously you can, like, bring up to speed on like what things you don't respond to, what things that you would yeah. respond to. That would be cool in itself too, just to have, and that could almost be like an alter personality that you no, see. No, I'm,
0: I'm game. I'm, I've talked with Mark about that. And I, I think I'm a hundred percent going to go through. Uh, I don't know if I have to go through like the university of Oklahoma, like I did, cause I did it for like college credits, but I'm a hundred percent on board with bringing in a college intern. Um, Kind of going through the the back end of this, I see a lot, of, a lot of stuff that that would be very beneficial with that would allow me to focus a lot more on content. Like you said, the comment section, a little bit of an editor type deal. But like in all honesty, I would like to make sure I've got a handle on what the heck I'm supposed to be doing before I okay. tell an intern what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So like that's probably like four to six months down the road when we start crossing that bridge. But like, no, I, I would love to. I'd love to have a 18 to 21, 22 year old intern. That's like all about it to where you take them to a tournament. And they're like, Oh my God,
2: there's Mike Canelli's truck. Just like I did back in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that would be really cool. And I, I, I don't know. That just kind of sparked with one, just being a fan of the show. And two, like, you know, I probably should have mentioned this in my introduction for folks that may not know, but like I host the serious angler podcast and one of, Uh, One of the hardest working guys at the industry. you just (laughs) pump out content, man. Yeah. yeah. Every Every damn day. I know. It's it's
0: a a super impressive. Yeah.
2: Uh, A few weeks ago we were having our meeting of just like laying out our goals for 2022. And I was just like, I was telling Deacon and I was telling Andy, I was like, I don't, this isn't like a goal for this year, but like long-term I would love to like, you know, with, with who knows like what we're going to be able to go at the rate it might even be 30 years from now but i don't even care i just want I, I enjoy what we do but I was like i would love to create like a scholarship to bring somebody a route into the fishing industry like you don't see too many of things that are like trying to help somebody get into the fishing industry because it's such a hard industry to get into That would
0: almost be cruel because they're destined for a life <laughs> of poverty yeah. 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 <laughs> like 30 years later, they'd be like, screw you, Bailey. I could have been on Wall Street for these hours. And you... <laughs> I got a
1: scholarship for Christian <laughs> to get
2: roommate, into an industry. And my
1: roommate drank beer all night. And now <laughs> I'm
0: losing <laughs> – I I have no 401k. I have no real life skills for a resume. (laughs) (laughs) I can back a
1: boat at the ramp and get $5. No dental. At Jordan Lake
0: (laughs) per boat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that's a, that's a good idea. That's a,
1: yeah, I think I Like think I said, that's
0: why you'll that. stick around in this, dude. I mean, you're having a meeting with your fellow guys. You're 24 years old. You're planning for the future, and you're already thinking about giving back. I mean, those are qualities that most 24-years aren't thinking about right now.
2: I appreciate that, dude.
1: Yeah. And let's be real. You've been a good teacher, out, <laughs> And you can put out the content that they put out When you're catching five and six pound smallmouth every other cast, yeah. (laughs) Captain Andy has y'all putting out big old fish. So, Matt, didn't you say you had a beer? Did you say you had a beer? You wanted to talk about?
0: Yeah, in in Um, the pre-show. So, yeah, I was pumped to come on uh, to Bass and Brews because I have a beer that is very near and dear to my heart called Cocony. Have you ever Mm -hmm. heard of Cocony? I think I so, but it. not in the beer. Is there a fish named? There that is, name? is a fish. It's a kokanee That's salmon, but K O K A N E E. I, I like it so much that uh, I, I even had a listener uh, actually like go to one of the six or seven states that it's available in, and he's like, "I saw it, and I bought." He got me like a twenty-four pack and a twelve pack, and then when he came to fish the BFL at the Arkansas River, he uh, he was like, "Hey, man, meet me at the Bass Pro Shops, and I'll give it to you." <laughs> What? How do you spell it? How do you spell it? Uh, k o k a n e e. I believe
2: they have Cocony beer. beer on eBay. Eight dollars for a can, dude. I've
1: I've got it near me in two places, in North Carolina. Yeah, real. Can I? Am I able to
2: share my screen on this?
1: Call? You were talking to the, the co
2: host of Bass It I certainly and Brew. can, but I, I'm more asking for permission for me to try. Oh, it. hell,
3: you can
1: share whatever you want. And I hope it's my s- seven yard punt.
2: <laughs> I wish. I haven't looked at the I, thing yet. Let me see. I thought, oh, I think it should add up as like a screen for you to add in. Hold
1: on. Yeah, I just added it.
2: Yeah. Oh, look at
1: that's, that. not that's not a
2: pop top. That's, that's no, a pop top. That's a pop it's, I know, I'm just showing how cool. Like, it's eight dollars for a used can. Like, yeah, but that's shit. from like
0: 1945. <laughs> no, Go to yeah, a I normal do. can, not like a vintage can. You could yeah. do that with Budweiser or anything.
1: <laughs> Look, Matt, he has no idea what a pop top is. He that's has no like clue. the only
0: thing, Bailey, the only pop top that exists now is pineapple juice.
1: <laughs> Look, Matt. <laughs> Bailey was born after Wide Mouse Everything became
2: popular.
1: <laughs> we used to have to drink beer in regular regular yeah. holes, not the wide mouth. It?
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: That's it.
2: Yeah, Galatians I was trying to tell how cool the vintage beer was because it was going it for like is. dollars for a used can.
0: It is vintage. But that is the uh that is my beer of choice. If if I had one more beer, my last beer ever, it would be a coconut.
2: That's cool. Well, you can take my screen off. Then. <laughs> You're just showing all your Google analytics. I,
1: I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> there you
2: go. <laughs> well, there you go. There's my analytics on a video.
1: <laughs> I got I got lucky. I got lucky. So anybody that has a hookup for Kokanee Beer, we need to get in touch with Matt so that we can get him as much as we can get him.
0: Right
2: now, I got to drive
0: to Colorado to
2: Ooh, oh, that's okay. I'll i have Deacon pick it up and send it.
3: <laughs> but
2: but Deacon can Deacon because de-
1: Deacon's gonna fish some of the opens in the Midwest, isn't he? I
2: don't no, I don't think he's doing the opens this year. Oh, I, I thought he was gonna, gonna
1: fish the Oh, okay. Sorry, I was mistaken. Um. Okay.
2: A lot of stuff well, like hatsu and stuff like that. So. Uh. So kind of talking
1: to it. Talk- uh, so Matt, you're fishing all nine opens again, right? Yep. All nine, and and just real quickly, the you know, the fishing part, any of that. What is the mindset that you have to have to fish all nine opens? The travel, all, like is is that is that something that takes? Like, what does that mindset look like?
0: And I mean, I obviously failed in what I attempted to achieve last year through the Opens. Like, I finished sixth and I needed to finish third in the overall. You failed to achieve your goal, but I wouldn't say you failed at all because that yeah. was a hell of a damn run. But the one thing that I would say is important, and I kept thinking of it in terms of of a baseball season. You have 164 games and how many games you blow at the beginning of the year, and it doesn't seem to matter. And then all of a sudden you get down to the end of September, beginning of October, and there's always teams that are a half game out, a game out. And those games that are early in the year, they really count for a win, just like every game that's late in the year. So the hardest thing is to know you have – I mean, you don't have to make a third day. If you have nine tournaments, you have 18 chances. And it doesn't matter whether it's the first, the fourth, the 13th, or the 18th day. Every single day is just as important as the rest of them. You can't punt on any of them. No seven-yard punts.
1: <laughs> no, Look, look. no seven-yard punts, no. Can't have that shit. No.
0: You, and if you one- do have a seven-yard punt, you got to pin them inside the five on the next punt. That that would work. Otherwise, it is the the last punt
1: of your career. Was that the you last? You better have punt a poke Yeah, I I had a forty three yard average coming into that game, and I kicked a seven yarder. And you never and punted it again? No, no, that was it. No, that's way. like that's like that's like getting a six pounder to your boat to win the Bassmaster Classic, and as you go to lip it, the bitch jumps off and swims away, and. You know, that's it. You, you retire after that. I retired. <laughs> I, not not because I wanted to retire, but I was retired. I hear
2: you. <laughs> when are you going to have uh, Pat McAfee on the show?
1: Look, you- I, look, all right. So, side note. I played uh, high school football at a really small school in South Carolina. I was a quarterback. I was a safety. Um, I played a lot of different things. I punted because nobody else could start in peewee football and I, I got good at it. And so when I got to to UNC to play, I I didn't want to stand around and do some so I was actually a scout team linebacker as the backup punter. So when the the yeah. So when the first team was was running drills, I was a scout team linebacker. And, I mean, y'all y'all remember Willie Parker for the Steelers? No. No. Oh, my God. He's got the longest <laughs> NFL – he's got the longest fucking touchdown in, in Super Bowl history. Willie Parker. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was a linebacker for the scout team. Also, I I was on the punt block team. So, when the guy ahead of me was punting, I was trying to block his punt. And then <laughs> when it was my turn to punt, I went and punted. So I was a different kind of punter kicker specialist in college. I told my coach when I first got there as a freshman. I looked at my coach and was like I just want to fucking kill somebody, and so that was that was that was how kind of how it turned it into. But but anyway, uh, so I wasn't your regular your regular punter kicker. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. But yes, my last collegiate punt was seven yards, and it, it was a good time. It was a good time. I was famous
3: wow
1: yeah <laughs> anyway famous. so uh we'll, matt thank you so much for coming on we this is fun uh, dude i'm telling you we we have we have no scripts here except for the last part
0: and i oh, got yeah. you of, said you had a couple of questions you know we never have any scripts on btl unless we have like a high and in like a you know, someone like a corporate deal where we have to ask oh. questions. Other right. than that, no freaking clue what we're going to talk about. Never script the beginning, never yeah. script the interview, None. And
1: and so I live by that rule. That's why I go between one and a half hours to four hours. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> Plenty of room to wiggle. <laughs> all right, but hit my, me with I, the questions. My co-host Alex
1: will be like, all right, we got to do this. We got to do this. But it's good because me and him banter back and forth. And so it, it gives a little bit of liveliness. I don't have that here. Like, I want to pick on
0: Bailey, but I don't know Bailey well enough to pick on me.
2: I oh, mean, besides him away, talking
0: dude. about I've, Bailey's pretty button. I mean, I don't know. I'm not like best friends with Bailey. I've been in the boat with him a little bit. We've done some podcast stuff. We've talked, but I mean, he's pretty buttoned up, man. He is. But he did say that he doesn't get carded when he has a beard.
1: And I have yet to see Bailey. With a beard. I don't, I'll Is never that a have a challenge.
2: I'll,
1: I'll never have it a It should be. Beard. It should be. Bailey, I'll try. throw your beard out.
2: Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Eight weeks? I can eight show weeks. you a
1: picture from eight weeks. No, no, I need 24 year old Bailey, not 16 year old Bailey.
2: All right. I will eight start. Weeks. I will start after Redcrest. How about that? Okay. Why not now? Oh. Because I have to be presentable for the classic in Red Cross. Whoa, whoa.
1: Are, are you saying I'm not presentable, Bailey? Are you saying
0: <laughs> I look homeless? Do I look homeless, Bailey? <laughs> What's you wrong with a nice shirt? Kept here. What, you think <laughs> Paul Elias shouldn't have showed up to the 82 classic? Is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. It was a different time.
0: Bailey,
1: I took my wife's uh air blow dryer brush and brush my beard out for this podcast Sit, tonight. L- let me if let me just put me this way.
2: You're making me feel bad I'm on podcast. This is it right. I can okay here I'll grow out the beard. I just can't keep the stash because let me just say like there it, it isn't a problem with the facial hair. It's more of I probably should like I was teased in college for my mustache that I shouldn't be allowed near schools. So <laughs> that's kind of the route I'm gonna put this thing <laughs> <laughs> i can I can see
1: it i can see it because you got a lot of missing hair in the middle
2: yeah yeah i have like a certain no. yeah it's this side i have like a circle right there yeah i have like a, a patch way.
0: right here that's just so smooth <laughs> it has been and will be till i die yeah
1: but but bailey we ain't having to ha- we ain't having no stash growing contest it's a beard stuff it's the, it's the whole All thing right. you can shave the stash it's okay. It's good. All right. Hit I'll me with the questions.
3: Married.
1: Look, see, now you're making me go long, and our guest wants to leave. I don't, don't want to leave. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: We're just talking about how far we're allowed from schools. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Matt, 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 did you listen to the Not So Serious, Serious Angler podcast episode from yesterday?
0: I have not. I've been at Mark Jeffrey's studio Uh trying to learn how to not suck at BTL for the last two days for about 18 hours. So Mark said, we're, we're going fishing next week. You're like, I'm not going fishing. That's yeah, no, we're we here
1: learning. I'm not going fishing on a learning day. We're not doing that. Mark's like, Oh, well, you know, whatever.
0: And then he's like, we'll just do it Christmas
1: day. or whatever." <laughs> but you're going to be neighbors by Christmas day, right? Yeah. Oh, mm. <sighs> All right. All right. We'll get going. So, we got a few questions. We call this our shotgun round.
0: All right. Even
1: though I turn it into the the blown tire round, so we go really slow because I like, if people don't answer the question the way that I perceive it correct, I like to give you a hard time. So, we'll start here. Crocs or
0: flip-flops? Flip-flops. I mean, 100%, I've never owned a pair of Crocs. In fact, the first pair of shoes that I've actually talked about that I own, because I wear them every single day now, are Hey Dudes. You put a, uh, you put a sock deal in there for the sole. Billy got a bass from Scott Martin's Challenge, sent them to me, because he owns a shoe store, and they're the most comfortable things I've ever put on my feet. Never put a pair of Crocs on my feet. I don't have anything against them, just never had one. Bailey, do you
1: remember when I texted you asking about the shoes it's been like a month ago. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I said, oh, wait, hold up. That was Matt talking about the hay dudes.
2: Do you remember that? Yeah. I do remember that.
1: Yeah. The hay, I got to get me some hay dudes.
3: 100%.
1: I, so down here, South sometimes don't get super cold, but I fish in 20 degree weather. But I wear Crocs, no socks, in 20 degree weather. So I got to try me out some hay dudes. Yeah. So I guess I need to put Crocs, flip flops, or hey dudes into this question then. All
0: right, now it's the Crocs or flip flops. That tells you a lot about it. That tells you what you need to know. Well, I wear both, but I wear Crocs
1: fishing because if I wear my flops, they get slippery. because I wear rainbows. That lever. Yeah, yeah, I do the
0: shuffle and the flip flops a lot.
1: <laughs> I, I prefer to go barefoot, but my wife gets mad at me. All right, pineapple and pizza, yes or no?
0: I got nothing against that. Not every day, but, yeah, sometimes I'll be like, damn, a pineapple and ham pizza sounds good. Yes or no? Yes. Okay,
1: jeez. Such a simple question.
0: Yes. Have I answered anything <laughs> simply
3: tonight?
1: Well, I mean – uh, yeah, Mark was mad at you because you forgot his. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, that's yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Pineapple on pizza. Yes. Okay. I enjoy a little bit of pineapple on pizza. Bailey. I can't remember. What did you say? No. Okay. Good. Good. Crocs or flip-flops, <laughs> Bailey? Uh, Crocs. Okay. So Bailey, Bailey is going to answer all these questions, right? Except for one. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt. Hopefully, you answer it correctly, too. All right, Matt. In a three hour session, five two pounders or one seven, not non tournament, no tournament, just out fishing five, five hour session or, or, or three hour session, five two pounders or one seven pounder. Seven
0: pounder. One yeah, seven that's pounds. what I said. That's, a, that's, that's an easy it. question. Has anyone ever said a five two pounders? Yeah, we've had a couple actually.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: hmm.
0: I mean, I mean, I I'm it. the I'm the two pound master, <laughs> but I'd still rather catch a seven. <laughs> yeah, but some people ain't catching
1: but halves and ones around here though. So I mean, you know, you. kind of depends on where you are. So this podcast originated in the Northeast. And so, you know, there are certain areas in northeast where right now they're catching like five fish for two pounds. So (laughs) kind of got to go with those. Kind of got to go with those those averages. All right, you on wacky rig or Texas rig? Wacky rig. My man, Nico or regular wacky?
0: Uh, I'll I'll rig a wacky worm about four or five different ways, depending on the circumstances.
1: I really enjoyed and caught some big fish Nico rigging last year, postponed. Yeah. Sharon Harris, I was catching four and five pounders on the Nico rig left and right.
0: Yeah, there's some cool stuff you can do with a worm. And a straight shank or a mosquito or a little bread Ehler hook, there's some really cool stuff you can do with
1: it. Mine was a number one, not a one offset, but a number one offset that I was fishing with those, and I don't know, I just, I got i got bite, bigger bites. I think it yeah. was that reaction bite, and I used a roofing nail, literal roofing nail, yep. I think it was that reaction bite going down that they got it.
0: They can never get used to a Nico or a wacky worm because it's going to fall slightly different every single time. It's going to have a different signature to it, especially mm-hmm. if you have a nail weight that's embedded into the plastic. So you're going to have a slight, a slight dip or dive. It's 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 a bait mm-hmm. that they could not become conditioned to.
1: Yeah, so that that roofing nail too, I like it because it's got the big head on the end. Mm-hmm. So if I got around rocks, I could drag it or bump it against rocks. Plus, it was. I'm a cheap ass. I'm a cheap ass motherfucker. <laughs> Those weights for Nico rig and weights are expensive.
0: Yeah, I exclusively use tungsten in my Nico rig weights, and I'll just yes, go drop a hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks on the ten pack. I just think it. If you're shaking it a lot, the less rigidity you have to your worm, the more action it's going to have. But I mean, I got I got buddies who are really really good at it, and they use lead. Oh. And nails exclusively because they like to be able to bend them a little bit to give it more of a dive. Well, you you get a flat head to it too. Yeah.
1: What you're saying that flat head gives it
3: mm-hmm. a whole
1: different fall. But but anyway, if, if I'm fishing to make it to the elite series, I, I'm 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 probably paying for, for those you. weights.
0: But a, yeah. long, l- a long answer to a short question. Yeah, mica yeah. rig, really? wacky worm instead of. Texas rig.
1: Of course, we already we, we should have known that answer since you in a on Carolina yeah. rig. You ain't old school. Dankin' and Duncan. All right. Slow jams are hype music on the way to the ramp.
0: Uh so I will listen to hype music until I get close to the ramp. Some so I will sometimes listen to no music. Sometimes I'll listen to hype music. As I get closer to the ramp, but like probably slow jams, hundred percent Like I don't I'm I've I don't want to be jacked up. That's not good. You don't make good decisions when you're jacked up. I want it to be just like a practice day for me. I don't wanna put any of the undue pressure with the freaking mom spaghetti on my chest stuff right before I freaking <laughs> take off, Eminem. Like, I just want to go fishing. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of me knowing me and my tendency to get a little amped up sometimes. Like, no, I I just, I don't have, it's, and plus it's like fishing. What are you going to like hype a limit into the boat? (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter how bad you want it or anything. Like, I mean, my goal is to go out and make the best decisions that I can. And when I've got my brain like, "Ah," like, I'm not, it's not a normal
2: decision. But ba- Bailey, wh- which one are you? Uh, I'm more of the slow. I mean, it really depends on what I'm just feeling like. I usually start out like if it's a depends if it's a, on the drive to the ramp that morning, if it's a longer drive and a, how early I'm getting up, I'll start out fast to wake my brain up. But like how Matt, like Matt said, I'll slow down as I get to the ramp just to kind of like clear the mind and that you can like really yeah. help think through through your start of the day. Cause and see, start the day, like, everything like that sets the yeah. trend for the rest of the day. And see,
1: I like that. So that that is the EQ side of the emotional intelligence, the self awareness. Like I like that. I, I love because that's who I am. Because I'm I'm a hyped up person. I don't listen to shit on the way to the ramp. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, I might put on a podcast, but otherwise, I got the windows down, and I'm driving. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Doesn't matter. That's what I do, but it you know, it gets me. That's I'm I'm thinking about the fish. How cold is it? All this shit. So that's look. We could talk mindset and emotional yeah, intelligence cool and all show. this. But like, yeah, dude, I look. This this would be the worst podcast ever. So we should do it on Bass and brews where we only have tens of twelves of listeners. <laughs> 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 because we could talk about the the that that mindset. That, well, we've already done a mindset podcast, but like the uh, that side of it, I would love to. It'd be awesome. Oh, we're I gonna dive
0: that. into that stuff in BTL for a little bit more. Some people yeah. have to put up with it. Other people will be like, "Oh, this will be exciting." But I've got yeah. some weird but, directions. But, look, dude, I love that. Side. I could talk about that side of it more than mm-hmm.
1: of these I love it. It's a, it's a whole people
0: anyway. All right. I mean, if we, we had, had a no podcast problem. on the mental side of beekeeping, now <laughs> we're really, <laughs>
1: well, first of all, if you're trying to sell honey, you're dumb. Second of all, if you just like having bees, then we can talk about your mindset of being probably somebody that your wife or husband doesn't necessarily like. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right. Do you eat largemouth bass? No. no. Is he frozen oh, or stopped. did he leave us? What? I Oh, here. Matt's so frozen. I'm frozen.
0: Yeah. Can, can you, you hear me, Bailey?
2: Really? I can barely hear you. You're well, breaking up.
0: You. I'm breaking up.
2: <laughs> I
0: didn't breaking- do anything.
2: <laughs> i don't know why i can hear you your, your face is frozen on like a uh like you're in deep thought uh
0: i don't know what to tell you was it final it's final show right well no we we
1: we've got we've got actually no this can't happen we got the most important question of
0: the night do you want me to leave and come back on oh, no I can't leave and come, you want me to leave and come back
2: on? Yeah,
1: yeah, leave and come back on because we yeah,
2: because you're okay.
1: completely frozen.
2: <laughs> is it but, this is your favorite question? Well it,
1: well, it is when you're around.
2: <laughs> you guys you guys took it. You guys took words out of my mouth. <laughs> no, we did not
1: we took it and ran, but we did not take the words out of your mouth.
2: <laughs> do, we, do we want to tell them before or after? on so back.
1: Do, we'll do it after. All right. All right. All so, right. do you eat largemouth bass?
0: No. What? No. I eat spotted bass, and I have eaten smallmouth bass in Canada when we didn't catch a walleye for four days, if we're being honest. So, I grew Sorry, up-
2: Bailey. <laughs> It's all good. It's Canada, screw him. <laughs> <God. laughs>
0: that goes back to my it goes back to my hockey days. Up in New York, well, there it, goes any chance of ever getting Gussie or the Johnson brothers on serious angle. Yeah. Hold, hold up,
2: hold up. Do you think
0: any of those people are watching
2: Passer Bruce? Fish and who knows? They, they understand that they're, they're hockey boys, they know the uh, American Canadian hockey feud. They're okay, they get it. Look, Bailey's,
1: Bailey's last episode, which we referenced earlier, they had a guy. Uh, Bailey, what who was the guy? Uh, who was it on the podcast The the co-angler was, they were catching big smallmouth, and the angler went back and the co-angler was catching the smallmouth in a john boat and putting them in the cooler to take home to eat. Who was that?
2: Oh, um, (laughs) Kevin Baxter was talking about him. (laughs) He he, He said he had a friend, I can't remember the guy's name, saved my life. But yeah, basically he was fishing Kentucky Lake and Really dialed in the smallmouth back when Kentucky was really firing on all cylinders and was catching like giant smallmouth in Kentucky and fish tournament co angler they were both catching them and guy went back out to two weeks later and co angler was in a John boat on his spot putting them all in the cooler yeah no bueno
1: so we we asked this question I ate large mouth but I grew up in South Carolina so we ate. Where I fished, we had brim, largemouth, and what we call jackfish, which are pike or pickle or some bullshit that northerners want to call them. But so I grew up eating largemouth. I never, up until the point I turned like 39 years old, I didn't know it was a problem to eat largemouth bass. Did I eat big fish? Hell no, I was eating little 10 and 12 inchers. What do they they taste taste like? like? What do they taste like? Are they good? Mm -hmm. They taste like any other damn fish. They're delicious. Really? Flay them out, fry them. Matter of fact, <clears throat> I think spotted bass, those spotted bass
0: are unbelievably good. Cold water, 12 to 15 inch spotted bass. I love this. I think I think they're some of the best
1: eating. Oh, you broke up yeah. a little bit, but I think you, I heard you say that the spotted bass were 15 inches or good eating. Yeah. We have been going two hours, and when we get to the end of the damn podcast, Matt shit starts messing up, and we can't finish it.
0: <laughs> I think he's, have I, I still think frozen?
1: Again? All right, look, Matt, go off and come back on, and we'll, we're going to end it. At, we're going to yeah, let's let's do it.
2: I will just fire the last question at him, and then I am,
1: I am, I am. Because we only know we got like 10 seconds. Gosh. <laughs> Your audio was good too, by the way. Thank you.
3: Thank you very I much. I mean,
1: just FYI, I don't know if you're still testing it out.
2: It's about damn time with this figure, this new mic system out. It's <laughs> been a headache, man. I tell you what. Do, do you
1: have controls where you can control the pitch and volume and all that?
2: No, and that's what's funny is because I'm just a dumbass, and I have just two buttons, and I still can't like dial it in yet.
1: Well, I mean, it sounded good all night tonight.
2: That's good. That means the mic's doing its job. It's where it was worth its money. <laughs>
1: all
0: right, here we go. I'm sorry. I don't know what's up.
1: But, hey, don't apologize. It's all good. Look, we're going to get to the last question. Yeah, I got to are going to ask to ask. All right, top three because we know how how fishermen like their proteins for how they like the sandwiches. Top three sandwich
0: proteins: uh, roast beef is number one. Uh, honey ham is number two, and like a salami or a pepperoni, any of those kind of thinly sliced sausage meats would be number three.
1: I don't
3: think
0: we've Uh, had honey. I I would also say, although it's harder to find, if you can find the thinly shaved corned beef, that is a phenomenal sandwich Mm. choice on the water. I
1: don't think we've had honey ham before we've had ham. But Haney Ham is right. Guess what Bailey said? That's his first protein. <laughs> a, mayonnaise, a mayonnaise sandwich? Uh, if he said mayonnaise sandwich, I would be less critical <laughs> of what he actually said. Because, look, Bailey is infamous. Head, head cheese? You, huh? Head cheese? Oh, my God. I'm from, I love head cheese. No, he says spinach. Let's just get it out there.
0: Spinach. That's not a protein. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> That's,
3: a it is
2: a That's a grass. That's a grass. Protein. Have you ever seen Popeye spinach as protein?
0: You might as well just take two pieces of bread out and snag some hydrilla. <laughs> All
2: right. You know what?
0: We're looking it up right now.
1: It up. <laughs> look, look, it's got protein in it, in it, Bailey. We agree with that. I the bet agreement
2: you grew you your cave. One cup of spinach has five grams of protein. Come at me. How much does a one cup of, of uh roast beef have? I don't know, but it's got more grams of fat.
1: <laughs> we ain't worried about the fat. It's a protein no. house.
2: <laughs> I, I put I like to put baby spinach on my sandwiches, okay, instead of like lettuce.
3: <laughs> but this why has, does it have to
2: be baby? A cond- <laughs> I don't know. It's just easier to go on a sandwich. <laughs> it's just, it just, I don't know, size wise.
0: Do you use like mayo or stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, that defeats the purpose of the spinach. Then mayo is literally fat. But I'm it's still getting fat. more protein because the spinach versus the lettuce. <laughs> uh, what are you I'm putting meat you a hard time.
1: on with the the? Are you putting meat with the 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 spinach? Yeah. Yeah, chicken. So chicken or turkey? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, here, here's, here's, here's where I don't understand. He says spinach. Yeah. You know, why did you
0: just say chicken or turkey?
2: Chicken. Yeah. Well, I thought I recalled it being the top three, and I thought I said venison first. Oh, that's solid spinach.
0: Yeah. Oh, I guess it. Okay.
2: No, no, the first word out of his mouth
1: hit this question. Was, was it spinach? spinach? What did I say? Yes! Oh. The first word. Top three proteins. Spinach. Look, we had another guy that said top three proteins. First word out of his mouth was cheese. <laughs> and so not a, not a is one. there is there protein in cheese? Yes. But we're talking about meat.
0: Yeah, so I answered it okay.
1: Yes. You did great. The honey ham, first time we've had honey ham, I love it. I love Honey Ham. All right. It's been a long episode. Thank y'all so much for sticking around. Bailey, thank you for co-hosting. Matt, tell us where we can reach you, what we can look forward to in the future. You know, all that good stuff. Anybody you want to thank. Tell us.
0: Uh, Bass Talk Live kicks off the 18th season on January 3rd. BassZone.com or Bass Talk Live on the YouTubes. What kind of
1: intro can we look forward to for 2018?
2: That's kind of... That was four years ago, bro. I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know, four but three. you can go back
0: and see
1: what the intro was four years ago. <laughs> For 2022, what can kind I of, – because,
0: welcome listen, to listen, the we're 17th gonna do,
1: season of Bass Talk Live. What we're going to do
0: some do? new school, but we're still going to honor the old school. That's all we've
2: been at. Thank all you. right,
1: Bailey, tell us about yourself, brother.
2: Uh, just look up Serious Angler Bass Fishing on YouTube or social media, and you can find us there.
1: All right. Well, y'all can find us here. Thank you to everybody who listened. We will see you on the next go round, and thank you.